Welcome to another Fun Film Monday edition of Second City Sports, the last show for the month of January, right here, real live in Living Color on Sports Zone, Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Kim McGee on the Twitter and at Kim McGee on the IG. Make sure you download this Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. You want to know why we said so? Because we, we boy, thank goodness it's a Monday. You want to know why? Because we said so. That's why. And also, so you can catch up on our other live shows that we have airing throughout the week. So you haven't missed them. You can go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Please download this Sports on Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports on Chicago, you can follow us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms. And speaking of Second City Sports, you can follow our podcast, which we know you love. We see the numbers. It keeps on rising to the top. You can subscribe by going to War on Anchor. We are on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type this in your search engine box on those podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, that's at War on Anchor on all podcast platforms. And make sure you go ahead and give War Media a follow at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. You have any definite opinions doing our two-hour extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show? You can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Makina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid like that Cincinnati mayor did or this time last week, we'll get into that. I'm sending Lakina full power to give you fools to build a beer boot. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love when she says that. But before we begin, we must remind you that you can also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate with the squad, give with the program, and no more excuses. Sports on Chicago is now on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on the sports folder and download Sports on Chicago through that avenue. If you don't have a Roku TV, that's okay. You're on your Chromebook like I am right now, your PC, your iPad, iPhone, iTouch, your Android phone. Just download the Roku TV app and access Sports on Chicago that way. So celebrate with the squad, give with the program, no more excuses. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year, live and on demand. Anywhere, whenever you want, you know, that's wherever you get your podcast or whatever. And yeah, anytime you want, you know, all the shows are right there for you. And you know, we can't provide. Anyway, <laughs> let's start the show, Lakina, by discussing the two conference uh, championship games that took place yesterday in the NFL playoffs. We'll start off in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection as Tom Jordan was noted as the Philadelphia Eagles will play in Super Bowl 57 two weeks from uh, from now, represent the National Football Conference as they defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 7. Jalen Hurts, he didn't have to do too much as far as passing is concerned. He only had 121 yards passing. He was sacked one time. Christian McCaffrey led uh, led the 49ers in rushing with 15 carries, 84 yards in a first quarter touchdown in the receiving department. Kenneth Gainwell, uh, sorry, Devontae Smith had two catches for 36 yards. And Brock Purdy, the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, was injured early. Lakina, 
I was really looking forward to this game, but at the Brock Purdy injured his elbow and, and and he did not return. It was all downhill for San Francisco. Of course, you know I, I picked the 49ers back on, on our show last show on Friday. Uh, their defense hung in there tough, but once Brock Purdy went out, uh, you could tell that the, the, the whole attitude of the, of the entire team changed. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things where you could tell that the air kind of let out of the team. And you know, poor Kyle Shanahan, I mean, you thought that maybe, okay, yeah, here's a rookie who, you know, finally is starting to kind of get it going and such, but then, you know, he gets hit, you know, with the elbow, hits, it's a uh, Hassan Reddick's, uh, you know, helmet or whatever, and then he couldn't, apparently he couldn't throw the ball. Josh Johnson, you know, comes in, throws, you know, fumbles, and then has a, you know, then fumbles again, and then now, of course, you know, because he suffers a concussion about halfway through the third, and so he couldn't come back, so... Mm-hmm. And then Purdy tried to come back, but you can tell that he, you know, he couldn't throw the ball. So it, it was just like a mess from San Francisco from a drum. And once, you know, Purdy got hurt, it was basically, that was basically all she wrote for uh, the 49ers. And, you know, Philadelphia, I, I want to go back to a play that happened, you know, during like earlier part of that game. It was, you know, mm-hmm. it was in Philly's first drive. You know, they, they went it had, it was like, you know, I think what fourth and three or something like that, you know, Hurts passes to Devontae Smith. Apparently, I guess all the indications were in the replay that he dropped the ball. I, I guess I'm talking about uh, uh, Smith, and you know, mm-hmm. but they 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 held up towards the line, and you know, I, I don't know, if maybe you know, Kyle Shanahan didn't see it, or maybe somebody you know, couldn't get to him to, to to challenge it in time. But you know, somebody else said, well, they, oh, they should have, you know, they should have reviewed it from from jump. But yet there was another play that happened prior to that that caused a fumble. Of course, you know that that you know that. You know, that injury, of course, you know, Forrest Purdy, you know, they could get out the game for a little bit. And then, you know, they were able to challenge that. I'm talking about the Eagles. So the whole thing was just weird from, you know, the game was weird from, the you know, from, from jump. And it's just one of those things where you just wonder, like, okay, had, had Purdy not gotten hurt, had Jerry G had been able to play or been active, this is why you should have three quarterbacks on the roster. That doesn't, you know, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, you know, you know take nothing away from what Philly did. I mean, Person had to do too much. You know, Miles Sanders had a couple of touchdowns, a couple of rushing touchdowns. It was really the defense that was the story there. Of course, you know, like I said, Hassan Reddick, you know, caused a couple of fumbles, and you know, had <clears throat> had tackles for losses and such. So that whole thing, sort of like how the kind of like all that sort of you know transpired. So the Eagles basically, I don't want to say they did kind of dominate, but the mm-hmm. same half, you thought that maybe you know that that maybe the 49ers still had a shot to win this game, but. They couldn't get anything going on the offense. You know, Kittle was a non-factor. It was just so many things that kind of transpired. And it was unfortunate, too, that they couldn't, you know, the foreigners were not were able to, you know, be at full strength. So it was just unfortunate. Bosa, Nick Bosa got hurt. A couple other guys got hurt as well. So it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good game for San Francisco all around. Yeah, a couple of points. Uh, the Devontae Smith catch, that was not a catch. And I was like you, why didn't uh, – 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan challenged that he he definitely would have won that challenge on that Brock Purdy birdie play that where he fumbled the ball. I thought his arm was going forward and that would have been called an incomplete pass, but it didn't turn out, out to be. And number three, I don't know about you, Lakina, but it looked like Josh Johnson was unprepared once he once he entered the ball game. I know they got a little spur when Christian McCaffrey ran up the right sideline to tie the game at seven, but outside of that. You saw that the Philadelphia's defense, their eyes were bigger than their stomachs, and they teed off on him, even though the Philadelphia only could record three sacks. You could tell that Josh Johnson wasn't prepared, and the plays they were running, 
they it looks like they were disorganized and he didn't know what to do. He was like a deer caught in headlights. And I'm with you as far as if Jimmy G was in there. I know that he makes critical mistakes uh, at times, uh, in crucial times during the ball game. We've seen that throughout the postseason, throughout the years with him. But I guarantee you this: he wouldn't have looked unprepared yesterday if he was uh, if he was healthy enough to uh, to be to be playing. Yeah, so one of those things where had he had been at least healthy enough, you, you probably wasn't still wasn't hundred percent, but at least mm-hmm. they would have had a better better shot of winning that game. Now look, yes. you give of course you give Eagles credit you know, for for it all. I mean, look, their defense you know, played well. Like I said, Hassan Wright was definitely the you know the player of the game on defense for them. I know Lionel Jones, Live Old Jones, I should say, had a couple of big plays as well. You know, Chauncey Gardner, CJ CJ Gardner Johnson has a had a you know couple of big plays too. So it's sort of like again, you don't want to take nothing away from what the Eagles did. I mean, they basically dominated. Nick Sirianni had a great game plan. They executed it well. But I, it just feels like, and also too, you know, the 49ers basically beat themselves. You know, mm-hmm. guys got hurt. You know, they, they committed some dumb penalties. You know, we'll get to that in a second. Our studs and duds, but. It's just one of those things where you're kind of like you give the Eagles all the credit, but you think the 49ers had they been at full strength, had they had a better you know game plan, had you know everything else sort of going on. I mean, they had four QBs you know for play for them this season. That's, that's right there with the Bears, the Cardinals, the Jets, the Panthers, and the Rams. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you you feel for the 49ers and their fans. Yes, you you do another uh, wasted opportunity, especially in today's NFL. Uh, you don't get these many opportunities to uh, play for a Super Bowl or perhaps you know perhaps a big consistent playoff team every year. That's why you give organizations like Green Bay to lesser state in New England credit for what they've been doing over the past twenty plus years or so. I think San Francisco is still going to be in good shape because you remember you have Trey Lance coming back next year. And uh, you may say goodbye to Jimmy G, uh, but I think Brock Purdy still will be back next year. So uh, they have a, a it's a good problem for them to have. But still, you you don't want to waste uh, these opportunities uh, if, if you're the 49ers because they're uh, looking inside their own division. We know Seattle barely made the playoffs. Yes, Geno Smith will be back next year, but you don't know how that team's going to look. Arizona is going to take a step back because Kyler Murray won't play perhaps all of next season, and the Rams they're about to go through some salary cap hell. They're talking about. To train Jalen Ramsey. We'll get into that in our next segment. But uh, San Francisco on paper is looking good for next year. But Lakina, as you, you know as well as I do, especially in the NFL, what looks good on paper doesn't always transfer to what happens on the field. Yeah, and I think that's sort of like the thing there. And and look, I mean, you know, we'll see how the salary cap situation is because apparently, I guess they keep revising it, so no one really knows what the salary cap. <laughs> is for some of these teams but uh it's sort of like we'll have to wait and see what the 49ers do now as far you're know, going to what you know philly and what they're doing i mean it's sort of like you know they're, they're going back to the super bowl it's like, i think the i believe this is what their fourth trip to the super bowl i believe so of course you know in 2017 you know they end up winning it so we'll see what mm-hmm. happens they actually uh are the 15 to win the divisional playoff and the conference championship by at least 21 points each of those previous four teams end up winning the super bowl so little bit of a synopsis there if you're an Eagles fan so you that that might you know, help you out a little bit but uh I mean look if you're the if you're the Eagles I think look you kind of came I don't want to say you came out of nowhere I mean you, you made the playoffs last year you thought that mm-hmm. maybe once you know making some a couple of your know, big you know big adjustments and such you, 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 you know you, you brought in a couple of, you know you brought in AJ Brown you, you, know, you traded for AJ Brown you, you know, a couple other you know top defensive guys you signed uh CJ Garner Johnson I think it's sort of like you know, Kind of like that, that rough, you know, style, like the Philly style that I think, you know, people are accustomed, Eagle fans are accustomed to. So I think that they're kind of playing that particular style. 
and like I think Jalen Hurts is sort of like one of those guys where he has a lot of extra motivation, especially mm-hmm. you know we'll talk about that as as it goes. But you know, some people thought that maybe he would be a good fit, especially when he got hurt a couple of years ago. A lot of people thought were going to give the other uh, job to Garner Minshew. He's able to kind of come back and you know sort of be consistent. He got you know his fifteenth rushing touchdown this year. That's the most by any QB in, in a NFL history. So you. you you know, look, you, you give your credit to all the everybody. It was a total team effort. This has been a, a great, you know, team win by this Eagles squad. And this could be a squad that look, you know, can they? I'm not gonna say they're gonna be uh, ready for a dynasty, but they got a young enough squad where they can probably perhaps be a, at least be around for at least a couple of years, if nothing else. Yeah, and yes, and plus you don't have to pay Jalen Hurts yet, so you still have about two or three years before that happens. I believe he came in the same year as Justin Fields, if I'm not mistaken. So yep. uh, they're, they're on the uh, same career uh, timeline. Uh, before we break for the bottom of the hour, Lakina, we talked about uh, Jalen Hurts uh, perhaps being an MVP candidate. He didn't have to do too much yesterday. As I mentioned, he passed for only uh, 121 yards. But it was Philadelphia's uh, rushing game. They had 44 carries, 148 yards as a team. But a look at these stats that, that were spread around Kenneth Gamewell had 14 carries for 48 yards. Miles Sanders, who's been the main guy all year, he had two rushing touchdowns off 11 carries for 42 yards. Of course, Jalen Hurts had 39 rushing yards. Boston Scott was the man for them a couple years ago during the whole Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz, um, Nick Foles era when they – he was a rookie the year after they won. He had a a rushing touchdown yesterday, 21 yards rushing overall. So – Philadelphia's a, a rush offense uh, is very impressive. Yes, a lot of that has to do with their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, but they, they have three or four capable running backs. The names I just ran off, they can take over a game as well. They get, uh, A couple of them can take over by themselves, they just, or they just do it by committee like they did yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's sort of uh, kind of indicative to what, you know, about coaching too. I mean, you know, Nick Sirianni is probably one of mm-hmm. – you know, he should definitely be, you know, he is actually one of the finest for co- coach of the year because like they, but I feel like he still doesn't get his due because he's been kind of like, you know, so, you know, guys that a few stars here, a few like journeymen, you know, a couple of journeymen guys, a couple of young guys that probably would mm-hmm. not have gotten a second look. He's been able to kind of, you know, you know, get together and make him a pretty solid team. I remember there were some people who were saying that were the Eagles frauds. Well, they're going to the Super Bowl, back to the Super Bowl. So I guess they're not really frauds. They're doing that. So. I don't know, but uh, look, I want to go back to San Francisco for a second you know, before we go to bring it over, kind of up against it. But did you really think that? I don't, you know, there are some folks that are saying, well, look, could Kaepernick have, you know, done something? But I don't think so. I mean, that defense was playing really solid. So I don't care who you are. You were, I don't care. Look, they could have gotten Sid here off the street. No one was going to, uh, no, that, that, that Eagles defense, you know, had it, you know, had a plan and they, you know, they were able to execute it well. I couldn't agree with you more. All right, so we're going to go on the flip side. On the other side of this break, we're going to go about the AFC uh, championship game. All the weirdness, all the, you know, bad calls or just or dumb penalties, however you want to look at it. Just still so much going on with the AFC title game. And I wish we had a I wish we had a clip of, you know, of uh, Travis Kelsey after the game because he's he's a he's a gem. You know? <laughs> so uh, but even still, well, we'll talk about all that too, coming up next. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown, Second Seed Sports on Sports on Chicago. We have the AFC Championship game right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. 
These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan's going to be on the IG. Uh, just a programming note, our guys, uh, What's Up Cuz with Jason Palmer and Coach Lancey Irving. Catch them tonight at 6 p.m. right here on Sports on Chicago. Chicago. They're going to have former Bear Chris Zorich on their program to discuss uh, Kevin Warren becoming the new uh, president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Of course, if you know the backstory, Chris Zorich was represented by Kevin Warren when Chris Zorich was a player back in the day. So they'll get into that and a whole lot more in a 
what's the future for the Chicago Bears. So once again, tune in to a special edition of What's Up Cuz with Jason Palmer and Coach Lancey Irvin. That's tonight at 6 p.m. exclusively right here on SportsZone Chicago. Lakina, let's get back to him by discussing the AFC Championship game where the Kansas City Chiefs uh, hold off the Cincinnati Bengals and get their revenge from what happened a year ago uh, about this time on the same field, defeating the Bengals 23-20. to Mr. Patrick Mahomes, who had an injured ankle, uh, but he had 326 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Joe Burrow had four carries for 30 yards for Cincinnati. And in the receiving department, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, the former Green Bay Packer, had six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown for Kansas City. Yeah, it was definitely a strange game all around. I mean, you thought that the fact that the other defense for the, the the Chiefs, you know, got to Burrow early with a couple of sacks. Mm-hmm. You thought that maybe, okay, you know, maybe they're starting to kind of blow things out. But then, you know, Sissy comes back and they score a touchdown that ties mm-hmm. the game. And then all the weirdness, you know, ensued after that. I mean, I know there was a third, there was some calls, you know, during that, you know, the Chiefs possession beforehand that had like, I think they had like third and nine twice, but they ended up putting the ball anyway. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are saying, oh, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's this and that. I mean, Look, you still had not one but two shots to win that game, Chiefs. Uh, I mean, uh, Bengals fans, remember? You had the ball left. I mean, you know, Burrow got sacked, and, you know, there was some incomplete pass. There were some key drops late. So I think for folks to – and, look, you know, Joseph Isai, I, I mean, look, I, I feel for him because he made a crucial, uh, you know, penalty or you know, pushing mm-hmm. as as uh, Mahomes was already, you know, getting out of bounds, basically, you know, bouncing on one leg, basically, poor the poor uh, – we'll get to his injury in the second time on Mahomes, but uh, – yeah, I mean, that set up the field goal for uh, Harrison Buckner, and, you know, they were able to you know, go back. Like, this is their, like, their fourth or third trip in the last five years. I'm talking about the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely like, look, they're just, just like, look, there's so many things you're know, going around. I mean, I know that well, we'll get to all that nurse does and does with all the, you know, the, the stuff that went on afterwards. But uh, it's just one of those days where, look, we said that it was going to you know come down to you know, the, the last – the last team to have possession wins. It just so turns out it was Kansas City. Yes. And what was one of the big reasons why Cincinnati won the game last year, Lakina? It was running the football. I know they had 71 total rushing yards as a team, but they didn't run the ball particularly well. Outside of Joe Burrow's 30 yards, Sammy P. Ryan, who had an early touchdown, he only had five carries for 22 yards. But here's the big statistic that should stand out to people. Joe Mixon, eight carries for only 19 yards. 2.4 yards per rush. That's that's not going to get it done. His longest run was seven yards. So he even had a rush burst performance if you take out that seven-yard run early in the game. Now, mm-hmm. I thought they established themselves early with Jamar Chase, who ended up with six catches for 75 yards overall. T. Higgins had uh, 83 yards on the same amount of receptions. But outside of that, their running game was pretty much non-existent. I know they got Joe Burrow on, on, the, on his feet. A, a little bit, so that was mm-hmm. kind of surprising, unlike a year ago. But I just felt like Kansas City's uh, defense. We all know it's not the greatest in the world, but they have opportunistic defense. But Cincinnati just couldn't put that pedal to the metal to basically put that game away, and and their lack of commitment to the run, in my opinion, will ultimately cost them cost them the ball game. Yeah, Chris Jones made some you know big sacks. I mean, I know that he doesn't get a lot of pub as he sh- as he should, but he's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why uh, the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl because he's made some big plays the last couple of games, and I, I feel like he doesn't get his due. And look, I mean, 
And then, yeah, you you could say that you know there were opportunities. I'm talking about the the, the Chiefs, but they look they mm-hmm. were able to get it. They got to Burrow early, and you know, yeah, they gave up some plays in the secondary, but <laughs> when it counted, it was a, that front seven from the Chiefs. I mean, yeah, that front seven. You know, the the Justin mm-hmm. Reeds, the of course the Joes, the Frank Clarks. I mean, those were the guys that kind of got it going and the kind of made the big plays when they needed to. So I think for me, I think the Chiefs defense was the ones that really kind of stuck this game out for them. And look, the Bengals, they had their chances. Yeah, you can say that, you know, that the whole third and nine, like three times or whatever, that's going to be the running joke. But they still had like not one, but two chances to win that game. So you couldn't capitalize on that. So for anybody that says, oh, it's rigged, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. No, go back to the tape. They had their shot to win it, and it would have been a moot point. They just couldn't capitalize. Simple as that. And you knew what the game plan was going in with Patrick Mahomes' uh, yep. injury. His mobility was going to get limited, was going to be limited. And I know Kansas City had him out on a couple of bootlegs early, but yep. uh, he was basically in that pocket, and you could tell after every throw he was limping off that ankle. And mm-hmm. Cincinnati did get to him three times, but it wasn't enough. And so I, I'll give a, a – the the OC for the Chiefs, uh, Eric Bieniemy credit Bien-Aimé. Uh, uh, credit for uh, that was a perfect game plan. You notice that even though Kansas City didn't get the yards, uh, 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 total rushing yards, they only had 42 as a team for the game. Uh, they used to uh, we said this on Friday, uh, they was going to use a whole lot more screens. They only get need to get the running backs involved a little bit more. But as the game went on, Patrick Mahomes felt more confident because he didn't have to run around that pocket uh, as much. And he started to pick the Cincinnati secondary apart. Yeah, I think he was able to do just that. And look, he did just enough. I mean, you could tell that he was, you know, the Mahomes was living on that leg. And, you know, you could tell that he's, you know, especially once he moved, you know, towards like the you know, different parts. Once he moved to his left side, he reactivated that. You could tell that he was just like, it was bloody too. I think I saw, you know, uh, you know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo say that it was a it was bloody at times. So you can tell that there's still something going on with that ankle. So uh, mm-hmm. that this is this is this is why you get two weeks off. I know some people have been saying that we should go back to just one week in between. That's why you have two weeks off because Juju Smith Schuster got banged up. Uh, I think uh, I think Miko Harmon I think also got banged up as yes, well. Yes, he did. So mm-hmm. There, yeah. So there are a lot of guys on the Chiefs that are banged up. So if you're Andy Reid, you 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 appreciate that that two weeks you know break in between. Yes, and he's just like Bill Belichick, or as I call him on the show, Bill Belichick. Give him two weeks per- to prepare, and he's going to have uh, close to a perfect game plan for you. You're listening to Second City Sports or Sports Hall Chicago, the Monday edition. We're live in the living color. I'm Sid Deslakina. Uh, any other uh, uh, nuggets? Uh, any other nuggets that you want to uh, tell from the AFC title game? Obviously, it was the best competitive game out of the two games yesterday, but. I saw something on social media. I sent it to you last night. I forgot who the player was for Cincinnati. He's like, why don't you hit that quarterback? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So you save that for the locker room because, you know, campers are all around. They're going to pick up any and everything that you say. And number two, it really didn't come down to that. Your offense uh, has had enough chances to basically separate themselves from Kansas City, and that didn't happen. And like you said, yeah. Travis Kelsey after the game, after the post game, of course, <laughs> there's a video going around with a. Patrick Mahomes' father uh, uh, going yeah, in as the kids would say on Joe Burrow as well. Uh, I thought I, it wasn't too personal, personal, but they made it well. Burrow is not going to pick a fight with them. They were uh, basically having fun with the both of them yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Going, going to the uh, that call for a second with uh, Jermaine. 
uh, Pratt, uh, the linebacker. I mean, look, look, you're frustrated. You lose. I mean, look, you're going to say stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you want to say it for the locker room, but the emotions run high. So, of course, yeah, you got microphones and cameras all around now. That young lady, uh, I forgot, forgot the young lady's name who, uh, who originated you know, that video. She covers uh, the Bengals and the, and the, uh, Ohio State uh, athletics as well. So, I, I mean, look, you're, you're going to get those types of reactions. I mean, I, I would like to – It's look, it's not a long flight from uh, KC to Cincinnati, but I'm sure it was a long flight because I'm sure there are probably some players who will say, wait, Pratt does. That's just how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know – and I and I understand that some people were very upset that uh, Osai – you know, Joseph Osai, who made that that crucial penalty, you know, that the cameras were on him. He was in tears. I mean, look, that's just how it is. I, I mean, you're going to have celebration on one end and you're going to have, uh, you know, despair on the other. That's just how it is. Look, we're going to be seeing this in about seven weeks with the NCAA tournament. So if you're going to have a problem with it, then you're going to have a problem with it when they do it in the tournament in about seven or eight, six or seven weeks. So I think people need to kind of just chill on that. No mental health and stuff. Yeah, I mean, look. We've seen this happen in various you know, parts before in various sports. It happens. Some guys were able to bounce back. You know, some folks were weren't. Were, so that's just how it is sometimes. Now, as yeah. far as no, no, just want to finish this this it's point awesome. here. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like that wasn't the only reason why they lost the game. They had chances mm-hmm. after that. So it, it, you know, your offense, you know, like like you said, the offense. He should be the pressure meal at the offense too because they had their shot twice to win that game. Yeah, uh, uh, guilty as uh, as OJ Simpson back in 1994. Uh, the one of the main reasons why we watch sports is because of, of the emotions, but both good and bad. Now, I, I, I get your point, Lakeem, but we shouldn't have cameras on players who are crying too much. But that that's a part of the game. And uh, no, I wasn't like, saying that. We get the not me. Those right, are other folks saying that, not me. Right. But I feel get, the same way you do. Yeah, but put the mental health issues aside, you know, the, the, especially football players that uh, get themselves mentally prepared as hard as anybody else to play a, a, play a game for two and a half, three hours, and you're exhausted when it's all said and done. So uh, how do you like that? Some, uh, especially when you lose, some people cry, some people just so exhausted. But when you win, like Kansas City did yesterday, uh, you're over, uh, overflowed with joy, and, and that's the way it is. So like you said, we're going to see it in the NCAA tournament. Yes, there are young men transitioning into adulthood, but with, with these NFL players, they're grown men. So that some of them are not too different from the college players we're going to watch in a few weeks. And they show this day too, also in Little League. Those guys are even younger than them. So I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen ESPN do that at times. Not all the time, but they I've seen you know, them do that. So I think people just need to kind of just, you know, it's not that serious. It's just sports. And look, it's it's passionate. It's Look, sports is the best reality show. And I think that's that's why we love why we love sports so much. It's the ultimate reality show. It's not scripted. And look, crazy things happen. You know, great things happen. And then you know, still stupid things happen. So that's yes. just, look, that's just that's that sports at a high level. Yes, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. I'm Sid Deslakina. Uh, we're about uh, you're, we're live in Living Color on Sports on Chicago. We're about to get to our studs. It does from yesterday's games. Before we move on, I'll start with my three studs. Christian McCaffrey for San Francisco, Miles Sanders with the two touchdowns for Philadelphia, and Marquez Valdez-Scanling with, with the touchdown reception off of six catches for 160 yards as Kansas City moves on to Super Bowl 57. Mine are Hassan Reddick, who I really like. I hate that Arizona weren't able, wasn't able to keep him, but look, he went to Philadelphia, you know, 
mm-hmm. has two big sacks and a big tackle. Actually, you know, essentially not Purdy out the game, you know, because yeah. he hit his, his his elbow hit his helmet. I'm talking about uh, Reddick's uh, Purdy's elbow hit uh, Reddick's helmet. Um, I also say uh, Mahomes basically for playing on on one leg and actually mm-hmm. threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns. You can tell that he's not 100. percent So you know, gotta give him credit for that. And look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, Chris Jones. I think you know Chris Jones was the reason why you know they made the big he made the big plays early and late in the game. So that was sort of big reasons why the you know the Chiefs were able to uh, you know be set up to uh, kind of you know be prepared to have the last be the last you know team to have the ball and end up winning that game. Three duds for me, Cal Shanahan of the 49ers, uh, Josh Johnson. I'm not going to blame everything on him, but it's, it's a responsibility of the coaches to get your players prepared, ready to play for any situation. It just it didn't seem like it, that was happening yesterday. My second dud is the Cincinnati uh, rush offense. Even though they outgained Kansas City by uh, 31 yards, uh, 71 yards total as a team, that, that's not going to get it done. So those are my uh, my duds. Uh, mine are I'm going to say the San Fran defense. Stupid penalties. They had like three in that drive that kind of broke the game open when they still had a shot to mm-hmm. win it. D'Amico Ryan's. I know he is. He's been getting a lot of your know, calls. You know, I, th- I guess he's going to get a second interview with Houston um, coming up this week. But was mm-hmm. your mind on that? Was your mind not on you know you know getting your 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 team ready for you know to go back to the Super Bowl? Three total penalties? Really? In that one drive? I think they had like eight penalties cold cold because they Trent Trent Williams had a stupid one that near the end. I mean, I I flipped I uh, flipped the game off uh, by then, but uh <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that 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 was not very good. Uh does I mean where was where was some of like those big play where was the Bengals defense? I mean, they made some mm-hmm. key stops early, but they had late in the game where they really needed to. That so you know, the U side penalty aside. There were some other silly things, you know. They gave away too many you know, plays, especially that secondary. And Mahomes, even though with a bad ankle, we were able to expose that. And uh, let me see, who else would I say a dud? Oh, I'll say the Cincinnati Mayor Aftop uh, Puraval. That that whole silly video that you did, basically calling out KC. I guess you know Travis Kelsey kind of you know, told you where to go, you jabroni. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, protect you know, that man at all costs, uh, Mr. Uh, Kelsey. And uh, he's just a, you know, a great delight. He's probably one of the best you know, players in the game. I know there's going to be – I don't know I know Fox going to have a great job you know, profiling him you know, in these next two weeks. But, uh, yeah, those are my three duds. All right. Let's uh, Before we get to our um, main topic to wrap up the, this first hour, a couple of news and nuggets to pass along for uh, from the NFL world of the NFL. I'm watching – uh, Colin Carher right now. Sean Payton is talking to him. Of course, I can't get any transcripts because we're running our show. Of course, Sean Payton was up for a couple of interviews uh, over the last few weeks as far as head coaching vacancies are concerned. As of right now, he's returning to Fox. You're going to see him on the Super Bowl coverage uh, less than two weeks from now, 13 days to be exact. And speaking of the LA Chargers, uh, Kellen Moore, the now former Offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. He'll he'll be the new OC for the Chargers. Yeah, I think that's definitely, especially that was kind of a surprise that they immediately decided to part ways about him in Dallas earlier this weekend. I guess we'll see if you know he can. I know uh, Justin Herbert just had surgery on his uh, his shoulder, his throwing mm-hmm. shoulder. So maybe you know once his shoulder feels better, and I think you know Kellen Moore can. We saw what he did with Dak. Some Dak didn't do too well sometimes in that offense of his. So we'll see how Herbert if Herbert can do uh, differently. So 
<laughs> yeah, it's gonna be very interesting though in in, in a Los Angeles Chargers of uh, San Diego, Orange County, wherever wherever the <laughs> the whole area. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. See, he's definitely gonna be under scrutiny uh, this uh, this coming season. All right, Lakina, if you're a Bears, Chicago Bears fan, uh, which team would you, which of uh, these four teams from yesterday would you like the Bears to model? Will uh, do you like them to be modeled after the Eagles, the Bengals, the 49ers, or the Chiefs? And the reason why I brought uh, brought up this question is because uh, she's a guest on Shannon Myers' show on uh, Sports on Chicago uh, every so often. Her name is Alyssa Barbieri. She covers the Bears for Bears Wire as part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. She put out an article yesterday regarding some free agents from uh, from all all four teams that played yesterday. I won't go through all the names. But I'll just go through some of the uh, the key names. I'll ask you your opinion. Here's some of the free agents from the from the four teams that were playing yesterday. From the 49ers, right tackle Mike McClinchy, he wears number 69. I don't think he'll be a bad choice. Yeah, I mean, they need, they need O-line help, but he's actually a pretty good O-lineman. But uh, like I said, I mean, it's going to depend on the, uh, what the salary cap situation is. You thought that maybe they're going to have like 190, then it got revised to like 80, and then yeah, I know that uh, the NFL kind of adjusted it back up, so we'll, we won't get a, probably won't get a full number. They're still, still probably going to have like one of the top, maybe like 80, 70 or 80 million or something <laughs> like that. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if they can get some of these guys. I know T. Higgins is a name that's been, that's been brought up as well for, for the Bears. I mean, Look, I mean, you know, Justin Fields, I don't want him throwing the ball a lot. I I, I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think he probably needs to have that receiver. Higgins, you know, had made, you know, has made some big plays for Cincy, mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if 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 they can, you know, get him. He's probably going to be like, he's younger, so he probably wouldn't cost that much. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe, maybe T. Higgins. I've heard, um, I think who else? I think I've heard a couple other names for the 49ers being, you know, brought up. Yeah, you might have an obvious it, but okay. yeah. So yeah, right tackle Mike McClinchy, he's 27 years old. Uh, the edge rusher from the 49ers, number 56, Samson Ikubam, he's also at age 27. Like I said, we know that the Bears he used a couple of pass rushers. I, I believe they'll draft one or two uh, in this draft. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Also, a free agent from the 49ers, offensive lineman Daniel uh, Brunskill, he wears no, jersey number 60. He's at age 28. In defensive tackle, he's at uh, age 27, Maurice Hurst. Yeah, I mean, that, that might be a name that the Bears could probably look at. I'm talking about Mr. Hurst, so he could be somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I know edge rusher, I mean, that, that's been a big problem for the Bears, especially, you know, since, you know, Roquan Smith is gone. So I'm wondering, like, you know, would that be something? Look, I'm at that point where I just need to, you know, just get somebody. I mean, I know you want to, you know, some PTs may want to. I, I would rather the Bears try to emulate after Philly and what they're doing, <laughs> kind of mix it up, you know, get a couple of, you know, try to get a couple of receivers, maybe get a couple of, you know, edge rushers mm-hmm. like a Fletcher, Co- Fletcher Cox or you know, somebody like that. So I would say that maybe Philly is probably going to be, probably would be the best, you know, team that have with the Bears to emulate. So maybe. Yeah. Speaking of Philadelphia, key free agents from this squad, uh, J- defensive tackle Javon Hargrove, uh, he's their uh, edge, um, their uh, defensive tackle. He's at age 30. So you think he'll cost a little bit more? He, uh, in terms of NFL, he's going to quote unquote senior citizen years. A defensive back, James Bradbury, who was cut by the New York Giants last year. Of course, he's having a great year for Philadelphia. He's at age 30. And left tackle, Andre Dillard, uh, he's age 28. 
Dillard might be an intriguing name. I think just because I think that's probably what the Bears need. But like I said before, I mean, I'm going to need to, you know, to know more what the cap situation, cap situation is going to be for the Bears. It's mm-hmm. going to be more or less than what's been reported. We've seen, you know, different numbers now in the last few days. So I don't know. I mean, look, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, this, I think 224, just under 225 million, 225 million is what the cap's going to be. That's mm-hmm. what you know, the NFL told teams about an hour ago. So it's going to be interesting how that number is going to shake out. They're not going to, I doubt Ryan Pohl's going to spend all of that money. We'll like see. I said, it's two years from now. You got to worry about Justin Fields and if he's healthy mm-hmm. and he continues to improve. Uh, the uh, the price tag for these franchise quarterbacks, they go up every year. So uh, I know Ryan Pohl's has got to think about the future too. So, like you said, many Bears fans want them to spend all this money this offseason. Uh, I'm happy to disappoint you, but that's not going to happen. It's sort of yeah. It's, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and what who's going to be out there you know, for a trade or for a contract. Mm-hmm. It, it's just we just don't know at this point what the story is going to be. So yeah, it, just it, a couple. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of the names. Of course, Miles Sanders is a free agent running back from Philadelphia. I don't think the Bears are going to get him. We'll see what happens what they do with David Montgomery first, who's also a free agent from Kansas City. Juju Smith Schuster. He's at age twenty seven. I don't know. That's a big question mark for me. Uh, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., he's at age 27. Now, I wouldn't mind the Bears taking a look at him uh, since the Bears need a left tackle. And uh, right tackle Andrew Wiley, he wears number 77, the offensive lineman for Kansas City. And you mentioned he was injured yesterday. Right receiver Miko Harbin, he's at age 25 from Kansas City. Yeah, I think that's another thing that, you know, this has been like a second injury I'm talking about, Harmon, so that might be a, a name of Bears may avoid. But like I said, I mean, look, I want to see what Ryan Poles does. I mean, that, that's going to be kind of like the thing, like how much money will be available for the, you know, for the Bears to spend. I mean, that's going to be the thing. I mean, I'm waiting to see. I mean, he look, he learned from a, you know, a couple of your know, top folks down in uh in Kansas City. But yeah, I want to see how he does up here and how much leeway is he going to have. So that's going to be kind of like the thing. And lastly, from Cincinnati, a couple of key free agents. Safety, Von Bell uh, from, from, from the Bengals. He's at age 28. Tight end, Hayden Hurst. He's at age 29, also from Cincinnati. I think the Bears should take a look at him. You saw he's having a, he had a great playoff run for Cincinnati. He had a great year overall, but he was definitely big in, in the playoffs, especially in the victory over Buffalo last week. And linebacker, Jermaine Pratt, who wears number 57, also from Cincinnati. He's at age 26. Yeah, that's the guy that made that comment about, you know, why do you touch the quarterback? So, I mean, <laughs> look, look, I mean, I think, you like, of course you won't look at any of those names. I mean, they would be, you know, good names to all look at. But, like I said, I want to see what the cap the, the, the cap situation is for real. That's, I know I keep mm-hmm. harping on that, but I'm going to need to see what the num- what the exact number is. Because they probably, they still, probably still don't know themselves yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be interesting to see if, I know the Bears will probably be the top, but they're not going to, they're not, you know, Pulse is going to spend all that money. So it's all going to depend on what's available, what the resources is, and where do you spend it on? Do you spend it on some uh, lineman help? Do you spend it on you know getting a front you know front seven guy or an edge rusher? Do you do you draft that? Do you get another receiver? I don't know. I mean that that's going to be really the, the thing that they're going to have to look look for. So it's going to be interesting to see what what Paul does. Look, we got a couple months before we got to figure that out. Yeah. The free agency period for the NFL begins, the league new year begins March 13th, and the NFL draft will be held on April 27th. Lakina, our number one has come to a close, but our number two will have a filled will be will be filled with a whole lot of fun straight ahead as you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago on the Monday edition. 
We'll talk about the Bulls. They finally won a game. They blew on an opponent. Yay! Does that mean anything? Or is Doomsday just around the corner ahead of the February 9th trade deadline? Also, we'll get into the best and the worst what happened around the league over the weekend. And we had to get into some college basketball to find the line night. Uh, they starting to get hot at the right time. Should we take them seriously as a top contender in the Big Ten? And plus a whole lot more in Old School TV Monday. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the 11 color right here on Sports Old Chicago. that you're in my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DoDEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Mr. McKinney and you, who is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your chili on the Twitter and the IGSCK80 
Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kingdom again on the Twitter and at Kingdom Square again on the IG. You have any questions or comments for us doing our now less than hour of uh, sports talk extravaganza? You can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get the up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder that Sports on Chicago, you can also watch now available on Roku TV. Lakina, let's kick off our number two by discussing the buckets. But first, we'll go to the NBA and the Bulls at large first. After the Bulls suffered two terrible losses last week at Indiana at Charlotte, they bounced back last Saturday night with a big 128-109 win over the Orlando Magic on the road. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRosa both had 32 points each. Nikolai Vucevic had 26 points and 13 rebounds. Patrick Williams stepped up big, especially in the fourth quarter. He had 16 points and six rebounds overall. Lakina, what most impressed me about this Bulls victory on Saturday, one, that they actually blew out an, an opponent for once, and it almost played a 48-minute a, a, a contest. But the one thing that stood out to me, Lakina, we talked about this uh, the last few weeks. They started to get Vooch more involved in the office, especially in the post. And number two, they had 30 total assists as a team. Yeah, I think that's one thing that was impressive. I mean, you did what you're supposed to do to a team that you're better than. I know it got, I know the league got down to eight, you know, I think about halfway through the fourth, or maybe like a third through the fourth, but they were to get it back you know, going and then such. I mean, look, you know, Patrick Williams has 16 points. That's the most he's scored in a while. Um, mm -hmm. 30, 32 points for Zach Levine, you know, and, and DeMar DeRozan. Another course, a double-double from Vuccio, 26 and 13 boards for him. So, yeah, so a solid kind of like all-around uh win for the Bulls. I mean, probably their best win and much-needed win because they needed that mm -hmm. win, if nothing else, for their psyche. So, uh, yeah, you look, you do what you're supposed to do against a team that you're better than. I mean, the Magic, I know they're not, you know, they got, you got, you know, Ponchero, who's been, you know, great this year, this rookie year. You got, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., Fox Wagner, and, and such. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, this is a team, they should have blown this team out. They should have blown them out by more, if you're, if you're being honest. But, uh, mm. you know, but, yeah, look, a solid win by the Bulls. I mean, look, they're still right there to think of it for that, uh, that play in spot they're actually not that far back from you know being a six seed so that's why for anybody that wants you know, to see it see trades it's not going to happen casey johnson who uh, does a great job you know covering uh the bulls for nbc sports chicago that's not happening so even he and others have said the same thing so i think you know unfortunately lonzo's not going to play again this year it looks like unfortunately so that's a bummer, yeah, those comments from really donovan after saturday night's game yeah yeah that's, it. Uh, yeah, that's we kind of knew kind of knew that Lakina we was hoping against hope but it, it, it's just a shame first of all we wish Alonzo Ball the best in his recovery mm -hmm. I know he has to think about life after basketball at some point so that goes into that decision as well but you, you bring up we bring up the point guard situation Ayo Dusumu I think he's had a, a improvement a slight improvement from last year but uh, in certain instances head coach Billy Donovan still doesn't trust him I know Alex Caruso's beginning to run at point guard, even though he's becoming a, a more of a player off the bench. And also to uh, Goran Dragic, if he was 10 years younger, he'll probably be a starting point guard right now. But uh, at his age and the amounts that he's had on those tires, he's best suited coming off the bench. And both Dragic and Caruso both did a great job scoring. Both of them combined scoring 14 of the 19 points off the bench for the Bulls on Saturday. Both, uh, both players scoring seven points each. 
And I, I by the mascot was El Montiel. Keep saying it best. I mean, if they beat the teams that's supposed to be, we're talking about the Bulls, they have a good playoff spot. I mean, yeah, yes. you're right. You're right. Yes. You're right, Lamont. You're right. I mean, <laughs> yo, we know how the other Bulls have done against you know, the bad teams. We know they have a good record against the, the good teams. It's been the bad teams that they haven't been able to beat for whatever reason. So, you know, it's so the opposite they, of like, what happened last year. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, do they play down in a competition or such? I mean, do they kind of just, you know, th th those teams, you'll get, you'll catch them sleeping at the wheel with them. So, yeah, so I'm hoping that this is sort of like start to start to trend, I guess. I mean, we'll see. They get it, you know, they don't play against it tomorrow. They got to play the Clippers at the UC. That should be a fun matchup. It looks like they're starting to kind of figure these out the Clippers. Watch they beat them because that's what the Bulls have done this year. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It should be. It could be like first to one thirty. Probably wins this game. So this, this could be a high scoring affair tomorrow. Uh, the Clippers and the Bulls. So it should be a fun one. I'm going to be watching this, of course, on NBC Sports Chicago, and such. So uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know this game. But yeah, I mean, I hope. You know, it was like I don't know if Drago's going to be able to play. I know he's missed the last couple of games and such. But Drago's is better off the bench anyway at this point. So. That's that. That's kind of been what they say. That with Drummond, say with the other guys too. If we can, if I can see this from P. Will more often, I'd be less worried about him and, and such. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, a nice for the for the Bulls. I mean, like, let's, let's hope they can kind of get 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 a little bit of a streak together before mm -hmm. the All Star break. And also, too, another player that has impressed me. I know he was injured around this time last year, but he's starting to uh, uh, come around of sorts. And that's Derrick Jones Jr. Remember last year, looking before he got hurt, he came in and filled in for minutes, especially when the players were going down with COVID and before Alonzo Ball got hurt. I know he's a small forward, but he's a twin. He can play the two guard position. He yep. can play the small forward position. And when the Bulls go smart, small and he can get up and down the floor he can play the defense too so yep. uh, Derrick Jones Jr. has really come come alive with that energy these last few weeks yeah I really love you know it all started in that game against uh Par in, in Paris against you know Detroit so he definitely kind of started a little bit of a step he kind of he started to kind of turn the corner a little bit look when he's healthy you know de de mm -hmm. Derrick Jones Jr. Is, is a good utility guy so mm -hmm. we're and we the last couple of games so I think that's sort of like a thing that you really need especially if you're a Bulls team that's still Look, you're still right there in the middle for a playoff spot. So I think people need to just kind of not worry about that. Now, in, in closing, though, you know, the Lonzo Ball thing, I mean, look, it's unfortunate. But this is one of the reasons mm -hmm. why I was a little bit, you know, hesitant with they, when they signed him. This could happen. And unfortunately, that's happening. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, get healthy. Maybe he can come back next year. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not very encouraging, you know, from uh, uh, Coach Donovan's comments over the weekend. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition. We're live in the living color. I'm Sid. That's okay. And we're discussing the Bulls in the NBA at large. If you have a question or comment for us uh, regarding the Bulls in the NBA, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. What's up, Brandon Schultz? Shuts. Hey, uh, hopefully everything is well for you. We're about to get into the rest of the NBA. Uh, here for you and for everybody else, Lakina. I want to we'll tell you about that in a second. We'll tell you back about, about that in a little bit, Brendan. So don't worry, hang tight. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go out the games yeah. uh, for uh, for the rest of the week, but yeah, let, yeah. let's go to uh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit, Lakina. Uh, let's go to Saturday night's uh, contest between the oh, Lakers okay. and the Celtics. Of course, the Celtics beat the Lakers one twenty five to one twenty one in overtime. LeBron James, who's chasing down Kareem's career scoring uh, record, he had forty one points, but that wasn't the story. The story was bad officiating on both sides. And LeBron James was begging and pleading like he was Teddy Pendergrass, James Brown, and Eddie Levert all combined. 
He was fouled when he was trying to uh, drive into the lane for a layup to perhaps give the Lakers the victory, but uh, it was all for not. The game was sent into overtime, and the Celtics took over from there. But did you check out Patrick Beverly, Chicago's very young? He picked up a camera from where I don't know, but he was trying to show it to the referee, whoever else was watching. Uh, I didn't get that part. I knew about LeBron James, you know, begging and pleading his case, but Patrick Beverly. <laughs> You talk about putting on a dramatic performance. He did just that. Yeah, I'm using air quotes yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, the thing with that was that, of course, yeah, yeah, you could have said that that there should have been a foul called on Tatum. He did grab LeBron's arm. They actually admitted they waited wait till like after the game. Yeah, they didn't wait till like twelve, the usual like twelve, twenty-four hours, like the Bulls have had to deal with you know, a couple of times mm-hmm. this year. But uh, yeah, the whole camera thing. I guess you know someone saw it. I guess uh, Pat Bev got called for a technical, and that's how they were able to the were able to get that early lead because of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was trying to show. Uh, I think he got it from like one of the photographers. I guess you know on the on the courts or on the sideline. And you know, I guess they were he was trying to show them that hey, look, you missed a call. And and look, only so from the west. <laughs> oh, look, only so from the west side of Chicago would do the do something like that. Of course he, of course he would. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, yeah, the Lakers should have won that game. You know, and they appeared simple. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, they didn't. And of course, Boston was able to kind of take advantage mm-hmm. of that uh, missed call. Uh, against Tatum, and they end up winning in overtime. So uh, a nice, uh, you know, look, of course it's going to be a little one of those, those losses where Lakers are probably going to be kicking themselves over. So Yes, yeah, so and just like the Bulls had plenty of bad losses uh, this year, and this, this one would definitely hurt uh, the Lakers if they don't make it to the playing tournament. Remember, the Lakers had a big league in this, in this game, but uh, they blew it. And like you said, that non-call kind of epitomizes what what happened to the Lakers last Saturday. On the flip side for Boston, uh, Jalen Brown had 37 points. And Jason Tatum, who struggled shooting, including 3 of 11 from three-point range, he still ended up with 30 points, and he made some big baskets late. Yeah, he did. And I'm going back to that uh, early part of that uh, triple header on ABC. You got Philadelphia and uh, Denver, of course. You know, Jokic and Murray still didn't play, but – and B was able, Joel and B was able to kind of take advantage of that. And 126, 119, when there he, I'm talking about Embiid, he had 47 points, which ties a career. Actually, it's not even a career. I think he's, he's, he scored 50 before, but this is 33rd career, uh, 40 point, 10 rebound game. The only player to do that the most since the NBA, uh, ABA merger was Shaq. You know, he did it 43 times. You know, MJ only did it 33 times. So go. You know, that, that's crazy there. James Hart, of course, kicked in with 17 points and 13 assists. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I know that, uh, I know that, um, you know, Jokic only had 24, which is kind of like an off night for him. Mm-hmm. Murray only had 22. So both those guys kind of had an off night. So they were coming back from missing a couple of games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, the Sixers were able to kind of, you know, take advantage of some, you know, key you know, mistakes by the, the Nuggets late. Yeah, and the Nuggets were a big at halftime, but as you mentioned, Philadelphia came back with some you know, some key defensive stops, like I said, it was spearheaded by Joel Embiid, uh, and also too, uh, Tobias Harris has made a nice addition uh, back to the starting lineup since he returned from injury. Also too, uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey he had 13 points off the bench in 31 minutes of action. Those two guys, I believe, is key to uh, helping Embiid if Philadelphia wants to get to where they want to go. And you know, one other thing about Joel Embiid. He's definitely top three, in my opinion, top two candidate for MVP this year, next to uh, yeah. Jason Tatum of Boston. Yeah, Jokic. His well, name is so. back in the conversation for good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think the key is going to be for him to stay healthy. So uh, that mm-hmm. whole thing. That Brooklyn beat uh, the Knicks one twenty two, one fifteen. Kyrie had thirty two points there. Um, 
again, they kind of have to hold down the floor with, of course, go with Katie being out. He's going to be out for another couple of weeks, but they were able to kind of sustain, uh, they were up big, you know, they were able to kind of hold off a Knicks, uh, comeback. So they were able to hold them off by seven. And, uh, look, it's going to be interesting to see if, like, it, like if the Nets can kind of keep it up. I mean, you know, Kyrie has been, you know, very nice. He hasn't said a word. So, you know, Seth Curry <laughs> yeah. actually be pretty solid for, for them as well, 14 points. So, uh, Sort of kind of like, you know, the Nets are kind of like going back, you know, to kind of being the Nets that we thought that would that would that would be before kind of holding holding it down until Katie can come back from his injury. Uh, another team that's on the road right now and on the East Coast Road Trail, as we mentioned, they'll play the Bulls here in Chicago tomorrow night at the UCNS Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they were on the back-to-back last night. They get blown out by Cleveland 122-99. But on Saturday, she had a chance to catch this game live. Uh, they beat the Atlanta Hawks 120-113. Kawhi Leonard had 32 points, while Paul George added 23. Lakina, as we said before, if this Clippers team stays healthy, in particular those two guys I just mentioned, uh, they could be almost uh, uh, impossible to beat, especially with other teams that are down right and out right now due to injuries with Phoenix and New Orleans, which I know we'll talk about in, in a minute. They'll, they gave up another 50-piece, I believe, last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the Clippers looks like they started to turn it into, into form. And uh, give we gave head coach Teron Luke credit last year with both those guys being out. They're, they were still able to make it to the playing tournament before they ran out against, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But – if this team stays healthy, they should be a top four team in the West as we predicted uh, before the season started. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting if they can keep it up. I mean, I know that they you know, they've had uh, they've had both PG and you know, Kawhi you know, sit you know every other game you know for low management. I get that, but let's hope that maybe you know after the All Star break, maybe we'll start seeing them a little bit more. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they can kind of you know, move them in the standings with you know other guys you know being hurt or taking you know games off. So. It was a nice win for uh for them against Atlanta. I know they they got they got they got their butts kicked by Cleveland. You know, of course, the back to back. And I think Kawhi, neither you know PG or Kawhi played that game on Sunday yesterday. So, <laughs> but yeah, so a nice win for uh, the Clippers and such. But uh, Utah Utah beat the Dallas one hundred eight one hundred. Laurie Market, and of course, I think he's kind of making you know making his case for a comeback player of the year. And he should be an All Star next month. He might, he might be, he'll probably be a reserve. He had 29 points, which uh, what ties a season high for him. A couple of uh, little guys off the bench, you know, kicked in. Of course, Malik Beasley had 19 points off the bench for them as well. Colin Sexton had 12 points for the Jazz off the bench. You know, I know, I know uh, Luca didn't play, I should say, but Dinwiddie had 30, 35 points kind of leading the way there, but didn't really get too much help from other guys after that, so... Yeah, I know Luca took that game off because, of course, he's still nursing that ankle injury. But, uh, yeah, but a nice win for Utah. Yeah, another team that's struggling in the rest of the conference right now, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, the New Orleans Pelicans. They now are one game above 500 at 26 and 25 after losing to Milwaukee Bucks on the road last night, 135 to 110. Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's still an MVP candidate, he dropped a 50 piece for the Milwaukee Bucks in. He was, as we said before, Lakina, that young man is just unstoppable. And he's now entering his late 20s. Uh, <laughs> imagine how many more years that we have of this great young talent. Uh, I remember him coming into the league about seven, eight years ago. And some people said that he, he had the potential of doing this. Not to me, people believe some folks at the time. But look what he's doing now. And you you could argue that he's one of the best mobile big men ever, especially the way the league is put, being played today. 
Yeah, the one, yeah, the other, that 50 points, of course, I think 30 of those points, you know, came from the paint. That's a 10th time in his career that he mm-hmm. scored 30 points from the paint in a game. The only other player to do do that, of course, for at least 10 games uh, since that be- actually became a thing, you know, was Shaq. He did, like, at least, you know, I think, like, about 12 times did that in his career. But, yeah, I mean, this whole thing with, uh, with the Pelicans, I know that they're struggling right now. I know Zion's still out. So, you know, that, that that's kind of, you know, helping, not helping them a little bit. I mean, they lost, also lost to the Wizards, too, so they've lost back-to-back. I don't know if Pelicans fans should be, you know, a little upset, but, you know, it is what it is with that one. But, uh, yeah, a very, uh yeah, so, you know, again, you know, it looks like Milwaukee's starting to figure it out a little bit. We'll see if Chris Milliton will be back and, you know, be a factor there as well. So, that 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 game, you know, yesterday was you know interesting you know, to see Giannis putting on a show. Now Memphis beat Indianapolis, Indiana, the, the pace, I should say, one twelve one hundred, and uh, the Hornets upset Miami, uh, one twenty two one seventeen. Terry Rozier had a season high thirty one. Um, unfortunately, you know, they just couldn't get going on offense. And they're, they're, the, the Miami's kind of going back into the sort of like the bad habits, if you will. So. You know, just this could hit the shots in that third quarter. That third quarter, you know, definitely killed them. Yeah, a couple of notes from, from last Friday's games. Uh, the Raptors uh, continue their losing ways. They lose to the Golden State Warriors 129 to 117 as the Raptors continue their West Coast road trip. And the Minnesota Timberwolves, speaking of those Grizzlies, uh, the Grizzlies, it was important that the Grizzlies got back on track last night. They lost They lost a heartbreaker at Minnesota on Friday, 111 to 100. Lakina, the Minnesota Timberwolves, we haven't talked about them much as this, when the season started because they still suffering injuries from their big man, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. But uh, D'Angelo Russell, and, and they're being carried by Anthony Edwards. I thought he had a sneaky chance to be in the MVP conversation. But Minnesota, after all this, is still hanging on. I believe they're one game over 500. And they got to start getting some healthy guys back if they want to go back to the playoffs for the second year in a row. Yeah, yeah, no, Carnathy Towns is still out, so we'll see if he's back. But they're still a five-seed Minnesota is, so they're still right there in the, in the playoff hunt. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they would be even better once they get guys you know, coming back and whatnot. If you look at the standings right now, I mean, Dallas, Pel- the Pelicans, the Suns, and the Jazz, are those are four that are in the playoff uh, playing uh, spots right now. You got the, the Thunder right behind them. I know uh, the Trailblazers have, have lost a couple in a well, still like three of their last four, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. now they're now they're on the outside looking in. Of course, the Lakers are kind of right there too on the outside looking in as well. They're two games back of Utah. So yeah, it's gonna be after the second half of the season starts, it's gonna be interesting to see. Like, well, there'll be a log jam of teams. You know, Denver is number one, Memphis is number two, mm-hmm. despite you know some of their their losses. Sacramento is number three. I don't think that's I, I know they've lost a couple in a row, and I don't think that they're gonna be number three for very long. I just don't think that mm-hmm. they're gonna have the I think they're going to run out of gas. It kind of reminds me of the Cleveland team from last year. You know, they came in, you know, out of the gate. You know, they kind of ran out of gas gas late, and I think that's going to be what happened with the Kings. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that's going to be the case with them. The Clippers are starting to kind of – I know they lost uh, yesterday, but I know they, uh, they're kind of starting to, uh, you know, climb up a little bit in the standings mm-hmm. as well. The Warriors, you know, those like they're starting to kind of figure things out too since, you know, Steph is back. They're kind of get their groove back as well. So, for me, I think, you know, there's still a lot going on in the West, so – I'm not – it's not a set – I know – could Denver still be the number one seed by the time the regular season is over? Well, sure, but I don't think that's going to happen either. So once guys start you know, coming back, I think they're going to be going to be right there, kind of like in that – you compete for that one seed. Yeah, remind me to ask you a question about the entire league, Lakina, after we uh, get, get through this uh, schedule for this upcoming week. 
uh, right here on, on Second City Sports for the rest of the NBA. Uh, starting with tonight's games, we'll have Orlando at this all Central Standard Time starts. So for tonight, Monday, we have Orlando and Philadelphia at 6 o'clock. The first game of the NBA TV Monday night doubleheader will feature the Los Angeles Lakers visiting the Brooklyn Nets. No Kevin Durant, but this game will still go on. That's at 6.30 p.m. tonight on NBA TV as the Lakers continue their East Coast road trip. At 7 o'clock, we'll have, speaking of the Sacramento Kings, they'll visit the Minnesota Timberwolves at 7 o'clock. Also at 7, go to stay at Oklahoma City. That could be a good sneaky game, so watch out for OKC. Also at 7 o'clock, we'll have Washington and San Antonio. At 7.30, Detroit at Dallas. 8 o'clock, Toronto at Phoenix. And the second half of the tonight's NBA TV doubleheader will feature Atlanta and Portland, Trey Young versus Damian Lillard, or Dame Dollars, the kids call him. Yeah, that should be a fun one. Going back to that uh, that first game of that doubleheader for NBA TV, it looks like uh, LeBron and AD and a couple of guys will not play. So it looks like both teams are going to be shorthanded. So that's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, regardless of the NBA TV folks are not happy with that. You know, of course, you have no KD. Now you're not going to have LeBron either or AD. So that's going to be something to look out for there as well. Now going to tomorrow's games, Miami and Cleveland. That should be a fun one at 6. The first game of the Tuesday night TNT doubleheader. It looks like we'll see if LeBron and AD will be back for this one. This is a back-to-back for the Lakers as they continue their uh, East Coast road trip. You got them as they're facing next at MSG at you know on TNT at six thirty. That should be a fun one as it always. Yeah, LeBron always likes to put on a show at MSG, so I'll be shocked if he doesn't play tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he probably might. Of course, we talked mentioned the Clippers and the Bulls at the seven o'clock at the UC, and uh, the Hornets and uh, and the and the Bucks should be a good one here. The second game of the TNT Tuesday night doubleheader. You got the Pelicans. And the Nuggets, you know, well, that should be a fun one. And uh, I know this could be a nice little, nice get right game for the, the Pelicans who have had their struggles lately. Yeah. Going to Wednesday schedule at six o'clock, we'll have Washington at Detroit. Also at six o'clock, we'll have Orlando at Philadelphia. At six, we'll have Portland and Memphis. That's a, a strange start time for, for a Memphis game. Yeah, then the same is. time zone as us, the central time zone. Yeah, uh, the first a weird, game, that is a weird, yeah. weird time slot. But uh, yeah, there must be. I guess they're. I think with the stuff going on down there in Memphis, that might be why. I don't know if that's the case. That could be. That could be. Yeah. That could be why, but you know, that it might, it might be it might be overthinking it, but yeah, that that could be the reason why for the early start. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, didn't think about that situation going on in Memphis Police Department. But uh, at this, uh, the first game of that Wednesday night. A doubleheader for ESPN. We'll have the Brooklyn Nets at the Boston Celtics at seven o'clock on Wednesday. We'll have Oklahoma City at Houston. Also at seven, Golden State and Minnesota. Sacramento and San Antonio. Also at seven at eight o'clock. We'll have Toronto at Utah. And then to cap off that second half of the ESPN Wednesday night doubleheader, we'll have Atlanta at Phoenix. Going back to that first uh, game, of course, you know, these two teams, we're talking about the Nets and the Celtics, played a good one earlier this year. Of course, you know, KD being out, that's going to be a whole nother uh, thing. So they, they actually, Nets actually were able to have, actually had a lead against the Celtics without KD. They just couldn't sustain it. So I'm sure they're going to be looking for revenge. So uh, that should be a fun one uh, on Wednesday. Now, going to Thursday's uh, uh, games, of course, you know, the Lakers and the Pacers, that should be a fun one. Uh, in Indianapolis at six o'clock, you got the first game of the TNT doubleheader, the Battle of the Young Guns. You got John Morant, who had a, a really a solid game uh, over the weekend. They'll face the, the Cavs at six thirty against Donovan Mitchell. That should be a fun one at six thirty on TNT. Miami and New York at six thirty. Of course, the Hornets, you know, at the the Bulls. So the Bulls should be able to win that game. You hope. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, they got some unfinished business with Michael Jordan's Hornets from what happened on last yes. Thursday. But yes. no, no one can blame themselves but the Bulls. The Pelican, I mean, yeah, yeah the Pelicans, you'll face the Mavs. That should be a phone at 7.30. I'm a little surprised that this game is not the second half of the doubleheader, but, you know, that's strange as that is. But uh, at 8 o'clock, you got the Warriors and the Nuggets. That should be a fun one. Could be a Western Conference uh, playoff preview. We'll wait and see. <laughs> and uh, could this be a finals preview, the second half of that uh, TNT Thursday doubleheader, the Clippers and the Bucks. That should be a fun one at 9 o'clock on TNT. Yeah, that and that's your schedule for this week coming up in the world of the National Basketball Association. Why the late start in the Central Time Zone? The uh, nine o'clock start in Milwaukee. That makes no sense, but it's <laughs> all guided by. This is a TV ahead. thing. I, a TV thing, I guess. Maybe that's probably the only reason I can think of as to why they would do that. But uh, yeah, because remember the Bulls had that too. They had like eight thirty games and such. So uh, yeah, they did that. They, they did that last year against the, the Brooklyn Nets. It was a nine o'clock start on ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's like nine. O'clock, Bulls don't play nine o'clock games at the United States. That's never happened until last year. But like I said, TV dictates everything. Sometimes it's for the good. Sometimes it's for uh, the uh, not so good. But uh, we'll leave it at that. You're listening to Second City Sports or Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. Lakina, we have a couple of minutes left before we break for the bottom of the hour. I wanted to ask you, I know Bulls basketball has uh, driven Bulls fans crazy uh, so far this year. Whether you're watching other, if, if you are watching other um, um, basketball players and other teams from around the league, whether you're watching on you know, ESPN, TNT, or your computer on the NBA League Pass, what are your who are your favorite teams to watch? Uh, since uh, Bulls basketball is driving most of us crazy, uh, who are some of your other favorite teams that you peep in uh, that you like to watch outside of the Chicago market? Well, yeah, I, I like watching all of them if I can. I mean, if I try to watch like all the you know, all the sort of, you know, the teams that I, I, I like, I mean, I think there's no team that, that I hate, even the rival team. So for me, I think as long as I get a good game, I think, you know, it, it, it's fine. Of course. Yeah. I love watching the Clippers. Like I, I got them going to the finals this year. I like watching. The no, I, did too. <laughs> I like watching the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers, I, I, I actually picked the Clippers Sixers, uh, NBA finals, I believe you know, this year, if not them, then maybe the Nets, once Katie comes back, I like watching Miami. I mean, I mean, look, you know, the, you know, on the west side, of course, you got you know Denver. I like what Jokic is doing. The you know the Grizzlies. You know, I watch a lot more Kings games. I never thought I'd be saying that after about fifteen years. Right. So, <laughs> Same here. The you know the Suns. I mean, I hope I hope Devin Booker can come back soon. I, I hope so. He should be back after the All Star break. We'll see because they really need him back. Of course, Luca and the Mavs. Um, yeah, so like I said, I like watching everybody, so it's not really like a team that I don't like to watch or a player I don't like to watch. I mean, I just like watching good basketball. Yeah, our good buddy Lamont Scott checking in from the Facebook. He says, being in Louisiana now, I've been studying the Pelicans. If they get, ever all get healthy, they'll be dangerous. You're right, we said it at the beginning of the year, and they got up to that nice start, of course. Uh, Zion Williamson's uh, hamstring mm-hmm. injuries uh, has derailed as They're now one game above 500. But I, uh, before Zion got hurt, I, I liked watching the Pelicans. Of course, the Denver Nuggets. Shout out to our friend of the show, Katie Winchie. She's doing a, a great job on the Altitude Sports Network. That's a home of the Denver mm-hmm. Nuggets. I like watching Denver. Of course, like you say, Sacramento, Lakina. Uh, they're having a nice year. Mike Brown should be head coach of the year, a uh, candidate for head coach of the year, especially being this uh, far into the season there in the top three. CD in the Western Conference, I like watching them. The Orlando Magic, even though this is not the team that you're going to see in the future, but they got a bunch of young talent. As we talked about earlier, they lost to the Bulls last Saturday. But you see, that's a nice young talent in Orlando with well, 
um, Wendell Carter Jr. And of course, Pablo Banquero, who's probably your, your rookie of the year uh, winner right now. So, and Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs, they have a nice young talent. I like watching Orlando. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what they can improve. I don't know if they're going to take for Victor Wambamba, but <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But I also like watching the Clippers. And part of their broadcast team, I know he does selective games now for the Clippers, is Mike Fratella, a.k.a. the Zara the Telestory. It's nice to hear from him once again. He's been doing the Clippers games for the past couple of years. Yeah, I heard him in, uh, in that uh, that play in a game, and sort of I don't remember. He kind of got a little bit of criticism for you know, for you know, criticizing, of course, how the T was celebrated after that uh, that win in that play in tournament. But uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it's great to always great to hear him talk. So it's, it's always yeah. great to see him. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, look, there's no teams that I hate. So be you know, feel free to comment on uh, on uh, Facebook and our YouTube uh, page on Sports on Chicago if there are teams that you guys like outside your your local team. So. We got to take a really quick break. They were up against it. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about some college, more college hoops. Of course, uh, Illinois looks like they're starting to get together, but there's a team ahead of them that's you know doing a little bit more. So some of us in the, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And, of course, uh, Aussie Open Recap and Old School TV Monday all coming up next. Sydney Brown, Lakeena McGee, Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. We're wrapping things up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy? I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. (laughs) Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say... No thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration.
Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color on a Monday edition. Here. You're listening to Sports Old Chicago. I'm Sid Deslakina. We have less than a half hour left of this extravaganza for today. If you want to follow your truly on the Twitter and the IG, you can go ahead and do so at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina McGee on the IG. Last chance to get your comments and questions in on Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions and comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, it was a big weekend in college basketball. I got a chance to watch a couple of games from start to finish. We'll start out locally as the final line have won six out of their last seven games. They improved their record to 15 and six after last Saturday's 61 to 51 win at Wisconsin uh, on the road. Uh, in Madison, they sweep the season series from the Badgers, two games to none. Matthew Meyer was the man of the hour for the final line. He had 26 points, including 5'11", shooting from three-point range. And for the Wisconsin Badgers, Mr. Hepburn, uh, uh, Chucky Hepburn had 15 points. Lakina, it was a 20-16 to 16 Illinois lead at, at halftime. Both teams uh, struggled shooting the ball early. Wisconsin was the worst because they had two of their starters in foul trouble early. But the final line night had a chance to uh, get back in the game, not get back in the game, but <coughs> it is, had a chance to separate themselves in the second half. They did by scoring 41 points. I know they didn't get much from their bench. They only had two points from, from their bench, but it was Matthew Myers' day. He took it over for the Illini. Yeah, that's a, a, a career high for Myers. And he also, too, yeah, he did very well from three. I mean, they actually hit their threes. You know, he was talking about it afterwards that – that that was mm-hmm. kind of like been the thing in their in their loss. I'm talking about the Illini's losses, the fact that they couldn't they didn't hit their three pointers in their losses, but they did they they were they were able to uh, do just that against Wisconsin. And Meyer was led the way there. So yeah, mm-hmm. a nice win for Illinois. But like I said, they still got a they still got Purdue contend with you know, They actually play them I think sometime. I think within the next week or two. So mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be interesting to see if they can kind of keep it up. I mean, we've seen you know the good Illini teams, and we've seen the bad Illini teams. So luckily, lately we've been seeing the good Illini teams. So we'll see. You know, if they can kind of you know get things going there, and we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, it was an impressive win too by the line. Not only because they only had two points coming off the bench, but uh, Jaden Epps was the second leading scorer on the team with thirteen. But Terrence Shannon, uh, who, who was their big acquisition in all season, he only had six points. And also too, uh, Coleman Hawkins, he's been struggling shooting the ball the last couple of weeks. Ever since uh, they beat Wisconsin the first time a couple of weeks ago, he had six three points. He's been struggling shooting uh, ever since then. He only had five points. He missed three or four free throws uh, toward the end of that game. I know Stephen Barr uh, made a comment about sometimes uh, Coleman Hawkins' problem was getting in his own head, but Coleman Hawkins is still a great talent. He could, he's a big guy that can shoot it from the outside. They're going to need him to start stepping up his shooting if the line wants to go far this year in a tournament. We'll just, yeah, we'll just see if they can keep it up now. Probably one of the bigger upsets was in the couple of will came out in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Oklahoma beats Alabama by 24 points. I did not see that coming. That's the largest uh, ever uh, deficit by an unright team against a, a top two team. Mm-hmm. So uh, Grant Sherfield finished with 30 points. You know, just two 
just two points shy of a career high. And Oklahoma really needed this account if they want to get a chance, perhaps be on that bubble. So Porter Moser trying to do a good job trying to get his guys going there. And they really need a, a signature win to kind of get them in the bubble conversation. So, you know, this will definitely mm-hmm. you know, beating a team by 24 points, by 26 points, I should say that that definitely no, 24, 24 points, I should say. So that should definitely help them a little bit there. Houston beat uh, Cincinnati on Saturday, uh, 75 69. Continuing with the SEC Big 12 Challenge, Tennessee beats Texas 82-71. And uh, K-State beats Florida. Uh, Keontae Johnson, of course, you saw, we all remember what happened with him in Florida. You know, Mm -hmm. collapsed a couple of years ago and, you know, now transferred to K-State, becoming a big, you know, you know, one of the reasons why Casey is what where they are right now, they're the top ten. You know, I know they have dropped a couple of spots when the new rankings coming out, but uh, he had 13 points, a nice widespread scoring effort by uh, the Wildcats there, beating beating Florida by 14. Virginia beat a uh, BC case. The you know, KU got a uh, broke a finally broke their uh, their losing streak. They beat Kentucky 76-68. Jalen Wilson had 22 points. Mm-hmm. And they actually tend to do better when he's when he's the leading scorer. One of the mm-hmm. reasons why he's been kind of struggling lately is because they haven't been playing well. So, you know, they you know, the, the Jayhawks got a nice win, you know, a much needed win because they needed to, they had to break that streak because they really needed it. Yeah, I watched most of this game too. Uh, one one, it was nice to see Calipari losing to a big team on his home court. Ha ha ha. But that being said, uh, KJ Adams was also uh, the man for Kansas as well. He led; he was the second leading scorer for Kansas. He had 17 points and two rebounds. And looking at uh, uh, Kentucky, if it, if it wasn't for their big guy, I forgot. I forgot his name. I forgot. I forgot Oscar Sheeway. Oscar right, thank Sheeway. you. If it wasn't for him, I don't know about their guards and the, and the other shooting guards. They they just don't have a a, a guard that can break down the defense. May, like I said, this is the first time I watched them from beginning to end this year, so uh, give me a, a, a mulligan for that. But they don't have a, a guard that can break down the defense. If it wasn't for their big guy, uh, I don't know where they're going to get these uh, the, the, the other points from. And they're lucky, which their record is now 14-7, and seven, but they're lucky they have 14 win- wins this year. Now, on the flip side for Kansas, as we mentioned, they've been on their four-game losing streak. It was a big win for, for them on Saturday. K.J. Adams was the, was the Robin to Jalen Wilson's uh, uh, Batman. You know, I told you I've been raving about Wilson these last couple of games, and uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, I think he'll be a future NBA player. That's just me personally. Yeah, he, he definitely is getting some looks from the NBA, so uh, definitely something you know, I really like Adams' game and such. So he's kind of – he now has kind of like leading the charge with Wilson too because he's kind of like – he's mm-hmm. sort of like the sidecar guys from last year and their championship team. So it's nice to mm-hmm. see him actually you know, be, be you know having more contribution this year. So uh, hopefully he and Jason Jalen Wilson, the Jayhawks, maybe they're starting to kind of get things going too. So we'll see if they can keep it up. Now Mississippi State got a nice resume-building win. They upset – uh, TCU eighty one seventy four in overtime because, like I said, they're they're eight, they're yeah they're eight and three in conference play. I'm talking about uh, Mississippi State, but they need they they're lacking a signature win and beating TCU you know will do uh, just that. So hopefully this is going to be something there for uh, Kermit Davis and his guys you know they'll to look forward to and uh, hopefully they can kind of you know get this have this win their back in their back pocket as they get ready to kind of getting into tournament time. Tulu Smith, who's our senior uh, forward, had 27 points, which was a season high for him. So definitely you know, the Bulldogs definitely could be a team to be reckoned with, you know, for uh, uh, for one of the play-in spots. I'm talking about, like, one of the last spots in. So we'll see what happens with that. Going back to Big Ten basketball locally, 
Can we finally start to take Northwestern seriously? I know there's some bracketology predictions. Of some people have Northwest as the number 10 seed in their region. They, they beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers 81-61 in Evanston. Chase Aldich had 20, 24 points, but Northwestern shot 45% from three-point range. I did get a chance to watch some of this game. I know one of the commentators up on the Big Ten Network, I forgot his name, he pointed out that the difference between the Northwestern teams of, of the last couple of years and this year is that this this team is playing with a chip on their shoulder. Shoulder, you could definitely see that. We talked about it before a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, when they upset Illinois in Evanston. Uh, they are a very good defensive team. Give head coach Chris Collins credit, but it looks like they're starting to play balanced basketball. They really uh, get after you at both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, me and Minnesota by twenty isn't going to get it get it done for them. If they beat like a Purdue or something like that, I guess but they're doing that what they're supposed to do. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, uh, look, I, I, I hear what because I, I, hear, I hear this all the time from Northwestern folks, and I, I, I get it. I know, yeah, you know, they beat they beat Michigan State, but that's where Michigan State wasn't at full strength when they beat them earlier in uh, Big Ten play. Um, I know they beat Illinois, they beat Indiana. That 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 win against Indiana actually looks good right now. So mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm, I'm they need more of that now. They, they 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 did beat Wisconsin, so that definitely should help them out a little bit. But they're playing. They play Iowa tomorrow. Now they really need to kind of just keep winning and such. I mean, mm-hmm. get those uh, those wins and such. I mean that they get Purdue at home in a couple of weeks. They get uh, Indiana again at home. I would say you know try to win a couple of those games and maybe you'll have a shot being on the bubble. I know they're at number ten, but I don't think that's. I think they're. I think they're more of an eleven. One of the last teams in. I think because if, if you want to play the formula, you know you want to use these silly little formulas. They've mm-hmm. got a little bit of the formula, but they need to do more. So. They look, you know, more balanced and such. Yes, they're playing like with a chip on their shoulder and such. But yeah, I need more. I need to see more for this team before I can say that they're definitely in the tournament. So we'll I see think that's fair. With the- that's fair. Like you yeah. said, they get they get those uh, teams again in the next couple of weeks. Like you said, Iowa t- tomorrow. I believe that's on the road. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the schedule in front of me yet. But I believe yeah, they, that, that that's on the yeah, road. The, yeah, that's on the road. Iowa. The well, Iowa. yeah. So yeah, that's that's going to be another huge test. We saw what they did at Michigan. A couple of weeks ago, they came up short, so uh, they need to start winning some of these games which in a row. Bad, they are a good a team, loss, which is a yeah. bad loss. So yeah, yeah, got to have the balance there. You need more of those good losses, you know, good wins instead of the bad losses. So we'll see what happens with that. Now, Mizzou got a nice win against. Oh, we call him the Fighting Mike Bermans here on this show. Of course, our buddy from <laughs> MC, uh Chicago, a Mizzou grad. I know he was happy when uh, they upset. Uh, not really upset, really, but they did pull away from Iowa State, seventy-eight, sixty-one. Uh, Crane looks like they're starting to kind of get it together. They beat uh, Xavier uh, 84-67. They're actually shooting their threes. Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, 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 West Virginia beat Auburn's, uh 80-77. to Eric Stevens had 31 points leading the way for uh, Bob Huggins' Mountaineer squad, and mm-hmm. which is interesting because there's only been – over the last 25 years, there's only been one player for West Virginia that's ever scored 30 points with with fit with five uh, plus three points against a uh, ranked team and Eric Stevenson did just that. So uh Deshaun Butler of course did uh, you know in oh nine he had Stevenson had seven threes in total with their with, it was a, was a career career high for him in that win against uh and that uh, upset uh win win against against Auburn. So uh not a good loss for uh, Bruce Pearl and his guys. Uh, Baylor uh, edged out Arkansas. It was a strange last couple of minutes of that game. You thought that maybe Arkansas was going to win, but then, you know, Baylor came back, and then you thought Baylor was going to pull away, but then uh, Arkansas came back. So, you know, a couple of old rivals from the uh, the Southwest Conference, you know, if you remember that conference from back in the day, 
That mm-hmm. was a nice uh, win for uh, for Scott Drew and his guys. So uh, Keontae George had 24 points, of course, including some big shots late to help Baylor uh, hold off Arkansas. Um, uh, you know, Hofstra upset uh, calls of Charleston, so they're no longer unbeaten in their uh, in their respective mm-hmm. conference. Uh, Pittsburgh got a nice win against Miami, 71-68. Uh, looks like Jeff Cable might be starting to kind of get it going finally in Pittsburgh. So that might this could be a a, a win that kind of helps them with their attorney resume. So we'll see. We're, but, uh, we yeah, talk- a nice win by Pittsburgh. Yeah, we talked about another couple of the local teams that, uh, in Illinois that could get into the tournament. I did watch some of these games live uh, via ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Western Illinois defeated South Dakota State. I was thinking about our girl Christine, the Queen Manica. <laughs> uh, Western Illinois defeated South Dakota State 81-73 to in overtime. South Dakota State was up uh, 18 points late, but mm-hmm. it was Trent Massiner that had 30, who had 30 points, including 12 of 22 shooting. He had some big uh, three pointers toward the end of regulation and to overtime. Western Illinois outscored South Dakota State 12 to four. Yeah, uh, they're in the Summit League uh, conference. Western mm-hmm. Illinois is, and they're kind of like right there in like that top tier. So they're yeah, they're fourteen and eight right now. Yeah, they, uh, they're they're seven and four in conference play. So they're going to have to win their conference to get in the tournament. So mm-hmm. could they? They got they got a veteran squad over there uh, in Western Illinois. So they haven't been to the tournament. I think like what about twenty five years or something like that. So yeah, it would be a nice it would be a nice way for them to kind of you know, get back in the tournament. I mean, I say more Illinois teams are better. So uh, again, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that one because yeah, I really want. I want West Illinois uh, to to uh, to get in. I know Southern Illinois. I know they. I think they play yeah. at tomorrow. So yeah, they uh, had a bad loss yesterday. Uh, yeah, I saw. Illinois yeah, I heard State. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Illinois State's not that bad. They're kind of like right there, like in that top tier too. So I wouldn't say that's a bad loss for them. But yeah, I think that's not the kind of losses you want, especially when you're at a log jam. Of course, you now have Murray State and Belmont to contend with too in the, in the Missouri Valley. So mm-hmm. can't really afford to have those kinds of losses to kind of like stay intact with that so uh you know okay yeah you had a you know look the good news is that you still got about a month to figure it out before uh your conference tournament starts uh or got the best of uh utah cca 56 um indiana of course continuing their wool uh, as they beat uh ohio state 86 70 like i said that loss that went against northwest looks better and better for them uh mm-hmm. san diego state beats uh san jose state uh in their game as well. So uh, going into this week's uh, games. Uh, one more team to put out, Lakina. One more score before we move on to uh, tonight's schedule. Uh, don't forget about Bradley. And shout out to our guy, Jonathan Hood. I know he had, uh, he called this game for the UIC Flames Network. Uh, Bradley beat UIC 83-76. Bradley is 15-8 on the year. What do you think about their chances? I like their chances. In the Missouri the- Valley. Yeah, I like their chance. Like I said, it's it's a log in that, in that Missouri Valley Conference now. So I guess I think the way it's set up because it's not going to be like the top. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Big Ten where the top four teams, you know, will have buys. Mm-hmm. I think they're. I think it's like Southern Illinois. I think Drake. I think I think no Bel- Belmont actually lost to uh to Drake. So I'm trying to think like how that. I don't have the, the standings for them in front of me, but. I'll look it up real quick. But, yeah, I mean, that Missouri Valley is going to be, like, really, like, you know, congested. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, which team, you know, get that, get that you know, top four. This is the first time that's ever happened. They have a, a, a double buy, like the Big Ten. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see, like, who's going to be. And though Southern Illinois and I think Belmont are tied. You know, the, the Belmont, did, uh, Southern Illinois did beat. I think they play again in a couple of weeks. This is Drake mm-hmm. and Bradley. That's, a, that's your top four right now. So, it's gonna be interesting to see like who will kind of you know they got about a month left and like about five weeks left. I'm talking about um, Bell, uh, 
you know, the Missouri Valley. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if they can kind of get together there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking for, like I said, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be hard, especially if, if, if like, you know, Southern and Illinois State play again for the, uh, the championship, the only spot from the Missouri Valley. So, uh, you know, Purdue uh, beat uh, Michigan State 77-61. Zach Eddy, I think, is definitely going to be up there with, you could probably say up there with Jalen Wilson, perhaps, maybe, for a player of the year consideration. He's he very good, points. yes. He's, he, he makes points. that Purdue offense go. <laughs> yeah, he had 38 points. He's probably one of the reasons why Purdue is where they are right now. So, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely going to be. I know some people call him Yao Ming, which I think is a little bit kind of like a kind of insult to him because he's a little bit, a little more <laughs> like buffer than Yao Ming. Like, wait, I know he's yeah. like seven four, but you know, come on now, folks. He's a little bit, a little bit better than that. But uh, yeah, it is what it is with that. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Penn State's looking looking really good. I think I think they're right back to uh, being right. I think for the first time in a few years, talk about Penn State. So uh, be interested to see what happens with that. Now going to today's tonight's games, uh, Monday. Uh, Baylor and, and Texas, you know, Texas, you know, hoping to bounce back from uh, from that loss over the weekend. You know, that's going to be at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Iowa State and Texas Tech, that should be a fun one at 8 o'clock on ESPN, too. And Virginia, uh, number six, Virginia will travel to Syracuse to take on the Orangemen. That's at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Now, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, we mentioned the final line night. They'll host Nebraska. That's at 6 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Of course, the line will try to win seven out of their last eight games to improve their record to 15 and six. Remember, they beat Nebraska a couple weeks ago on the road. Let's uh-huh. see if they can sweep the season series from the Cornhuskers. I know Fred Hoiberg's crew, they're a couple of games under 500, but that team has had a surprising year. We will, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, what kind of derailed them is that they had injuries to some of their key stars. Yeah, that's pretty kind of like the thing. You thought that maybe they were starting to figure it out that they might be mm-hmm. right there for not necessarily a Big Ten top, but kind of like be like in the mids or fight for a NCAA uh, spot. But they mm-hmm. lost a couple of a couple of their uh, key guys to injuries, you know. So that's been kind of their thing too. Uh, yeah, that's kind of has not helped them. Uh, Kansas State, and, you know, Kansas and Kansas State. I know Kansas, State, Kansas. What has revenge in their mind? It's weird that they're going to have it streaming on ESPN Plus. You wonder like why was this game? On, ESPN on TV, too, yeah, mm-hmm. which is weird, but um, you know, I I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> Wake Forest uh, at Duke. Uh, hopefully, you know, Duke trying to avenge that early loss to Wake Forest earlier <laughs> about a couple of weeks ago. So I'm sure John Shire and his guys will want that revenge at six o'clock tomorrow. Uh, UConn and DePaul. Uh, mm, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. DePaul. I know. Yeah, I know they've had a couple of injuries to their guys too earlier this year, mm-hmm. but DePaul is still not. They're not there yet, um, especially now that UConn being back. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia and TCU, that should be a fun one at 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Indiana and Maryland, those two do, you know, those two had a nice little battle earlier uh, in conference play. That should be a fun one at 8 o'clock. And Kentucky and Ole Miss at ESPN. And uh, Loyola will uh, try to make things a little bit interesting against Dayton at, on CBS Sports Network at 8 o'clock. Fresno State and Wyoming at nine on FS1 and uh, San Diego State. They're back in the top 25. They face uh, Nevada at 10 o'clock. In the makeup game from January 18th, the Northwestern will travel to Iowa. Uh, as you mentioned, we mentioned earlier that game will take place tomorrow. And I'm trying to find out what network is going to be on real quick as we uh, dig through my information here. Uh, they'll be followed by Nebraska, Illinois. So tomorrow night's Northwestern Iowa game will be seen following the final line in Nebraska on the Ooh. Big Ten Network at 8 o'clock. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, maybe that's a nice way to kind of build up their resume for them. Uh, yes. Games real quick. Providence, uh, Xavier at 530 on, on FS1. 
Uh, Purdue hosts Penn State. Tennessee, number two, Tennessee at Florida. That's at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, Georgia at Auburn at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other uh, matchups. Uh, Marquette hosts Villanova. Shaka Smarts, you know, as we call them here, uh, 7.30 on uh, FS1. And New Mexico, Utah State, that's at 9.30 on FS1. A little Mountain West uh, action. Okay, wrapping up the Thursday schedule for college basketball at 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Number three, Houston the Cougars will travel to the state of Kansas to take on the Wichita State. At 8 o'clock on FS1, we have Washington travel to Los Angeles to take on number nine, UCLA. That should be a fun one, especially for you USC, UCLA Bruins fans out there. At 9.30 on ESPN, we'll have Oregon versus number five, Arizona. Uh, that should, that be, should a be a high-scoring game. Yep. At 10 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, number 12, Gonzaga hosts Santa Clara. Santa Clara is doing well this year. They're at 16 mm-hmm. and 7. And at 10 o'clock on ESPNU, number 18, St. Mary's will host San Francisco. Yeah, that Santa Clara game. I know they were very, they were also very close to being Gonzaga too early this year. So I'm sure they're going to want to mm-hmm. get their revenge for that. And uh, Northwestern hosts Michigan at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, that should be a fun one. Of course, Florida Atlantic, they're still undefeated in their conference. In the Conference mm-hmm. USA, they face a solid UAB team. That's at 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. So that is your schedule. Let me see. Is there anything else? Oh, Sanford and Utah, Oregon State, and uh, Arizona State. Those both those games going to be on Pac-12 Network. So, yeah, so those, that is your schedule for, yeah, Washington, UCLA. I think you already mentioned this. So that should be a fun one mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock on fs1 so uh, yeah and that is your schedule for uh, this weekend this weekend uh college uh basketball all right you're listening to second city sports or sports on chicago we're live in living color for a monday i'm sid that's lakina lakina before we get to old school tv monday you have a wrap-up on the australian uh, open from the world of tennis Yes, going to as as uh, our our buddy uh, Mark Silver was saying, we now uh, from a long time ago. Now we go to the courts of tennis. We'll start with the uh, ladies' uh, champion, and uh, this is her first her first uh, title. And uh, it was Ava Sabalenka, who she's been close a couple of times. Or, or you know, she's been close a couple of times, but she was able to kind of uh, pull pull it off. It was. Actually, the chance I actually got to replay this match, but yeah, she beats Elena Robakina in a straight set. Easy for me to say, you know, she lost mm-hmm. the six, uh, the first set six four, but was able to come back and uh, win the uh, the championship six three six four. Arena Sabalenka, she's been close a couple of times. She actually had a, uh, you know, she actually had a, uh, I believe it was like she was at Wimbledon a couple of years back, but she lost that. So, but. You know, she's been a fighter. She's been able to come in, and she is up winning it, her first Grand Slam title, so congrats to her. And uh, also, too, uh, Novak Djokovic is back in the winner's circle. He's He has his 10th Aussie Open, which is the most ever. He also ties with Rafa Nadal for his 22nd Grand Slam title. With everything After everything that happened with, you know, not being able to defend his Aussie title nor his U.S. Open title due to COVID, you know, restrictions and such, he's now back in the winner's circle, so... I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if I know he's gonna. I know he's over thirty now. I know he realized that it's probably gonna be his last shot to kind of get these Grand Slam titles. So we might be seeing a little bit of a resurgence here with Djokovic. You know, he's a little bit younger than both both uh, Rafa and uh, Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of like get back to that form. Yep, as you mentioned, with all the setbacks he's had, he's one of the top uh, male tennis players in the world. He's one of the top tennis players in the world. Period, both male and female. So. 
uh, we'll see if the Dominus can, uh, can continue as he's getting back into form. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I mean, this is going to be interesting if he can kind of like get back into it because I know he's going to be one to get these titles back. So we'll see what yes. happens. Yes. All right, Lakina, let's wrap up uh, the Monday edition of Second City Sports by, uh, as we go into our old school TV Monday salute. This week, we will, we will salute the NBC uh, TV American sitcom Silver Spoons. It was an American television series that aired on NBC from September 25th, 1982 to until May 11, 1986. The series was produced by NBC Television Television for the first four seasons until NBC Embassy Communications moved its series to syndication after being canceled by NBC. Silver Spoons was created by Martin Cohan, Howard Leeds, and Ben Starr, and it was developed by Michael G. Moyer. Remember that name? Yep. He also developed Married with Children, which we saluted a few weeks ago. The show focuses on the wealthy playboy Edward Stratton III and its relationship with his young son, Ricky Stratton, played by Ricky Schroeder. Ricky was the product of a brief marriage between Edward and Ricky's mother. Edward was unaware that he had a son until Ricky comes to live with Edward at the outset of the series. The main cast stars Joel Higgins as Edward, Ricky Schroeder, as I mentioned, as Ricky, Leonard Lightfoot as Edward's attorney, Franklin Seals as Edward's business manager, and Aaron Gray as Edward's personal assistant and later love interest. Jason Bateman, who's from Chicago, played Ricky's best friend over the first two seasons of the show, replaced by Alfonso Ribeiro over the remaining uh, three seasons. Uh, John Houseman played Edward's uh, door and disapproving father. Yeah, yeah, it was a really uh, great uh, show. I think, you know, he was actually, you know, Ricky was actually on the cusp of being sent to, his mom was going to send him to military school when he went to go see mm -hmm. uh, Edward. And, of course, you know, uh, uh, that they transpired after that and and such. And, look, I think it was one of those very underrated sitcoms, I feel like, because, you know, it kind of, it was totally different from what the, you know, what you, know, what, what you see like a traditional sitcom was. It was, it was a mm -hmm. divorced dad you know, trying to raise his son. You know, he finds out he has a son. Now he has to figure out how to, you know, he has to be a father to him and he has to be a son to him. So it was definitely like that relationship kind of like developed as the season went on. Of course, he had Aaron Grave, you know, the the secretary. Well, she actually mm -hmm. became like better. Uh, actually better. She even joked that she slept her way through the top. So it was, <laughs> she, said, she said that. I'm not saying that. She said that a few years back in a reunion. So, you know, I didn't say it, but uh, yeah, that was a, a really nice you know element. You know, the kind of like the kind of had that that mom kind of element there as well. Christina Belfort played the mom, Evelyn. You know, she had a couple mm -hmm. of interferences, so she was she was terrific. John Houseman, I mean, Oscar winner. I mean, that was a great get when I when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's so cool. They got him playing the dad, and he's definitely like the more like stern, you know, traditional, yeah. you know, conservative type. You know, of course, Edward B. Like totally not, and you know, Ricky was kind of like the in between. So. Yeah, that was really cool. And of course, you know, Alfonso Ribeiro joined it because that was a big coup because they, they actually writ, writ that, wrote that part for him. I remember uh, Alfonso saying in interviews, you know, they kind of, mm -hmm. the Bruce kind of uh, made that part for him. Jason Bame, I think it would have been great if he had stayed, but of course, you know, bigger things were happening for him. He actually left to do his other series. Of course, he would eventually do the Hogan family, you know, Valerie's mm -hmm. family, Valerie, Valerie's family, whatever. You know, like yeah. the five different names of that show, which we slew to a, a couple of months ago. But uh, yeah, that was the reason why he left. You know, that would be cool if he had stayed for the whole show. But you know, bigger things were uh, happening uh, ahead for him. But uh, yeah, it was actually a, a great show. One of the some of the couple of the uh, top, uh, I guess, 
memorable guest spots, Menudo. Remember that was an episode. For yeah, yo, Ricky Martin before he yeah. went on his own in the nineties. <laughs> right. Also, yes. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, of course, he was another. Uh, she was another one famous. Uh, yeah, before she started star. singing. Yes. Yes. But remember, she was also too on Give Me a Break. Yes, yes, she was yeah. that last season. Uh, Martika for Kids Incorporated. Remember that show? So we'll probably salute that one at some Ooh. point. Yeah, she we will. Was, yeah. So yeah. So it was definitely like a, a cool eighties. You know, typical. You know, they did they, they dealt with various issues and whatnot. But a uh, a very underrated show, I would say. But it's unfortunate what happened with you know Franklin Seals who died. I think he. I think you know Little Life. I think had AIDS. Oh no, no, he had. Uh, I think a cancer. I think Franklin Seals. I think had AIDS. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, there was some, there were some definitely some rumors about that, but uh, yeah, unfortunately they're, they're, they're both no longer with us. But I know there's still very, the, the other cast members, you know, Ricky, Rick Schroeder, uh, Joel Higgins, you know, Aaron Gray, Fazor Barrow. I've had to cancel. I had to give uh, Rick Schroeder the side eye with some of the stuff he has said over the years. We won't get into that, but uh, <laughs> have a big question on back today. Uh, I I don't anymore. You guys will know why. You know, Google it, you know, folks. But uh. But I thought I I I I I remember that show. I love that show, you know, very underrated show. I, th- I think it could have lasted longer had it not, you know, certain parameters had not, you know, kind of dictate yeah. that. I remember watching it on reruns. It was on Channel Fifty, the Power Station mm-hmm. here in Chicago yes. back in the day, and it was on various cable stations throughout the uh, yep. the nineties. And great comment with our uh, with our guy <laughs> Lamont Scott. He says that show showed me that I could have white friends. That's true because Alfonso Ribeiro yeah. was a uh, um one of the two black characters on this show. Remember. Alfonso, obviously, this is before Fresh Prince in the '90s, but remember, Alfonso Ribeiro's profile was rising because remember he did that Michael uh, Jackson, that, that Michael Jackson commercial for commercial Pepsi back Pepsi. when, um, yeah, uh, back in the day when Billie Jean was out. So he, uh, he actually did a heck of a job. He was the little version of Mac- Michael Jackson. So his star was rising back then. And we watched Ricky Schroeder grow up too, from a, a, a young man, from a little boy to a young man. Of course, he wanted to went on to do all his mm-hmm. other various projects, TV, movies, and of course. NYPD Blue in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So uh, he uh, had staying power in Hollywood as well. So it was an overall great show. Uh, those typical 80s family sitcom shows. And a little crush on the mother too during the later <laughs> years. But we'll leave that alone. But uh, overall, uh, it was a great show. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube and other streaming services uh, somewhere. So yeah, like I said, it was very underrated. Like- good, but a very underrated show. It I'm went sure for a total five seasons with a total under 16 episodes. Yeah, you probably say it probably could have lasted a little bit longer, maybe. I mean, yeah. like I said, the rate was still pretty high, so I don't know, maybe certain parameters. Like I said, with certain parameters would have been a little bit different um, back in the day. But uh, yeah, I think, look, it was a solid show. It you know dealt with some great you know life lessons. It dealt with various mm-hmm. issues, like your typical 80s sitcom you know, shows would do. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, look, I think, Look, it, it's it's it was a great show for the time, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great like mid early to mid eighties sitcom. I think it was you know, terrific. Yeah, and one more comment from Lamont. He uh, posted it up early. He said it was a great show. He want uh, I always wanted a train in my house because of that show. Said, yeah, he had that train <laughs> running around the, around the house. Yeah, <laughs> the remote control. You know, you didn't. Yes, have to go, uh, yes. You just do the yes. remote control. You just Who didn't want that? If you grew up in the eighties back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it beats having the intercom. I guess so. Uh, you could probably yes. say that that was kind of like early, like. You know, so before the rain doorbell, you had the remote control doorbell. So yeah, yes. there you go with that. And then what we have now with all these securities of um, devices and cameras and stuff like that. Yeah, Good you have the arcade. Yeah, who who didn't want to have an arcade game in their exactly room, in their yeah. house? I mean, who did like yo know, playing Pac Man? I think I was so I was totally jealous, but. 
you know, fortunately living in an apartment building, we couldn't have trains, of course, you know, in our front room. So. Same here. Yeah, same here. So, uh, yeah, so I did. It was just like, yeah, but it was it definitely kind of like, yeah, it definitely a great life lessons and stuff. So it had a, a nice little mixture of, it kind of towed the line between like kind of like the goofball failures to come, but also some serious stuff as well. So. Yeah. So we salute this week, the NBC TV sitcom Silver Spoons. Just a programming re reminder, starting next Monday and throughout the month of February, we'll have some, some special editions of old school TV Monday. We playing mm -hmm. some great things for you guys. So during black history month, we'll be back on Friday because it'll be our first show for the month of February, but starting next Monday throughout the whole month of February, we'll have some special, um, programming, uh, that, that, that will salute some, some special programs during uh, black history month for old school TV money. You guys, you are really going to love these. We promise you. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we got some great shows and probably some shows you guys probably haven't heard about in years. So uh, we'll definitely mm -hmm. uh, maybe bring out some memories there, too. So, yeah, going to be very interesting, you know, this next, next few weeks. So uh, I can't wait. Now, of course, oh, we were remiss if we didn't say anything about uh, Bobby Hall. Uh, of course, you know, he sadly he passed away earlier this morning and, you know, he he was a he's still a franchise leader in goals, 604 goals in a season, 58. You know, the season 58, that was the 68-69. Also, game-winning goals, hat tricks with 28 uh, mm -hmm. goals per game, like almost one. So, uh, you know, I know over the years he's made some comments that I know some folks are too, you know, keen on and such. But I can separate the, the game from the person. So, yeah, he might not have been, you know, the best guy, especially later on. But I'm going to remember, remember him for, like, the, uh, the, the player that he was. So... Yeah, go check out this ESPN Sports Century episode of Bobby Hole. You'll get mm -hmm. your information there on YouTube. But uh, as a player, he was him and Stan Mikita and Tony Esposito were the Black Hawks uh, yep. from the '60s and the early '70s. Remember, he uh, talking about Bobby Hall. He left uh, the Black Hawks, I believe, in 1972 to join this uh, uh, lower league called the WHL because he wanted to get paid. Yep. You know, yep. uh, hockey players in particular yeah, were not getting paid at what they are now. Nope. So. Uh, he was kind of re revolutionary uh, from from that standpoint, but uh, he was Mr. Blackhawk back then. Uh, of course, he was part of that 1961 Stanley Cup uh, championship team, uh, along with a uh, Stan Mikita, who's no longer with us as well. So, and of course, when the Blackhawks started winning Stanley Cups uh, many years ago, of course, John McDonough, who's no longer there, and of course, Rocky Wurst, who was spearheaded that they brought uh, some of the legends back to help. Uh, Advertise the Blackhawks, uh, uh, bring the branding back to Chicago as they were winning, of course. And not only Bobby Hollyos, of course, the late Stan Mikita and Dennis Savard as well. They were the ambassadors for the Blackhawks alumni. So, uh, as far as his talents, it'll never be forgotten. He's definitely an all time Chicago Blackhawk. He's up there on Mount Rushmore, yes. and his legacy will never be forgotten. Absolutely. So, uh, we so our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Bobby Hall. So, uh, of course, his son Brett had a great Brett, career. Yep, had a great career with the with the Blues and the Stars, among others. So, yeah, we the same yeah. with the Stars in '99. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So we salute him, and uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Brett and then there and the rest of the family as they're going through this tragic loss. But even on a happy note, though, Chip Carey, speaking of you know a guy who is from a legacy family, he has officially been announced as a new play-by-play -play guy for the St. Louis. Cardinals. So, of course, yeah, they're making that official announcement just now. So, that, of course, for Valley Sports Midwest. So, uh, yeah, so welcoming, you know, back to the full to the Midwest and the NL Central to Mr. Chip Carey. 
And I'm sure he's going to have a few beers once they come to Chicago a couple of times this year. <laughs> of course, they'll come. I'm talking about St. Louis. They'll come here twice for for the Cubs when they play the Cubs in Wrigley. I believe it's twice or three times. And then they'll be here again in early July after the 4th of July. And they'll have, a, they'll have an interleague weekend series against the White Sox. So we'll be seeing Mr. Carey around these parts at least a few times this year. Right, a, a lot. So, yeah, I'm sure they'll have some nice uh, things to say about him. Now, with that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on, on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe, please subscribe to our podcast at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. And make sure you give War Media a follow at WAR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. For those of you that are interested, the individual tickets for Chicago White Sox uh, home games for the upcoming 2023 season will go on sale on Thursday at 2 o'clock. For you Cubs fans, they'll go on sale on Friday, February 24th. For those that are interested, just say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm sure uh, the Cubs will have their similar tickets as well. I think they're going to be on sale too this week. So, you know, with the next couple of weeks, you know, patience to catch it. I guess they come up with what, about seven weeks, in, so about six mm-hmm. weeks, I would say, about six or seven weeks, depending, you know, around that range. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, so get your you know baseball. You know, looks like we may have some promise here in Chicago. We don't really know, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, well, yeah, you can go. Yeah, you can go ahead and you, you can do your research too. We'll we'll get the suggestions out there uh, for you, Lamont. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have that coming up for you all month long in February. And don't forget, the you know, Sports of Chicago is on Roku TV. Yo. Roku. Excuse me, Sports on Chicago on your Roku TV app, you on the Roku stick, on the Roku remotes, as we have right here. So you look up our show, we, uh, our show, Sean and Maya, the Smoke Fellas, What's Up Cubs. Remember tonight, you know, Sid, once again, you know, they'll have uh, Chris Zorge, um, mm-hmm. former Bear Chris Zorge, excuse me, tonight. Jason and the coach, as, as I call them, uh, they'll have uh, on tonight at 6 o'clock. So make sure you guys check that out for that one. Of course, you can catch the replay, too. But, you know, be nice. You know, they're, they're our friends. So, you know, check them out if you can. Uh, yes. But, yeah, you can check them all straight out on Roku TV. Yes. And make sure you catch Second City Sports live at the 11 Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. One more game, as you young folks would say. Check out Second City Sports. We're live in the 11 color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. All right, folks. I know it's a little bit colder in some spots around the country, but keep the like, yo, check out this all the sports you got, you know, college football, college basketball, I should I say you got NBA mm-hmm. and such. So, you know, of course, you're you're geared up for the Super Bowl. Hopefully, we'll have some uh great guests on to talk about that within the next week or two. So uh, uh I think I saw the Eagles on the early fair that one and a half. It was two, it was two and a half and now it's down to one and a half. So you know, I'm sure it'll it'll probably the media will probably change you know over uh, the course of the next couple of weeks. So uh, we'll keep you guys updated on that. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. You're not gonna wash your hands, wear your mask, and be good to each other. This is Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Love, peace, and hair grease. Holla. <laughs>